Hello there. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Just Hands Poker Podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week and any other week that you've tuned in. Uh, we really, really appreciate you guys, uh, and we're happy to have you here listening to this super long episode. Uh, don't worry, it's still Just Hands. It's 90% strategy. Uh, we brought on a bunch of our favorite guests and just talked through some hands. A couple of super quick reminders. We have two events coming up this December. Uh, you can link to both in this week's show notes. Uh, one is in the New York City area, and one is at the Bike Casino in Los Angeles. Uh, both of these are live coaching events. Uh, for more details, check those out. Link to them through the show notes again. Also, uh, if you want to join our mailing list, which I highly recommend you do anyway, if you join our mailing list, we're giving away one of our recent premium podcast episodes where Zach and I discuss a hand from Poker After Dark between Jason Kuhn and Matt Berkey. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in, and enjoy the 100th episode of Just Hands. Hello, Zach. Hey, Jack. How you doing uh, for the 100th time? <laughs> I am doing so well. I can't believe uh, we get to this point, 100 episodes, not a single missed week. I'm, I'm proud, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here. We've had some we've had some day lates, but yeah, no misses. Uh, in fact, we've had, we've had more than a hundred episodes, but this is our hundredth week. This is episode number one hundred, and yeah, thank you, man, for being here with me throughout the whole thing, and thank you to all of you guys who have. Some of you have been with us since the beginning, and a lot of you have hopped on along the way, and we appreciate all of you. Uh, really, really loved hearing from you guys. Over the years, I can now say. Uh, <laughs> that seems crazy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, over the two years, or coming up on two years. And continue to write us in, continue to send us hands, continue to send us feedback, positive and negative. We got <laughs> one of our first like really kind of negative reviews over the weekend. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, Zach, but we appreciate all reviews. Uh, this was only three stars, so not so bad. But yeah, <laughs> if you really like that. Like, I saw that I got an essay. I was going to save that to read today. Yeah. How many paragraphs were in that email? <laughs> oh, well, that email, that was, that's a good email. Oh, that's worth reading. Oh. Yeah, that's a... Okay. No, no, I'm talking about an, an actual iTunes review. We got a negative oh, review. Oh, I see. Yeah, too bad. Okay. But, uh... Hey, if you, don't, if you don't like what we have to do, please rate us on iTunes. Give us a negative review. Use some flowery language. We, we appreciate the feedback, even if it's not positive. No, yeah, we, we honestly do. Uh, and if you do like the show, then definitely leave feedback. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, this uh, the critiques we got in this particular review are unlikely to change. You know, let's read it, Jack. I haven't read it yet. I didn't. Let's read it on the air. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's right on the nose. It's just there's no way that we're ever going to be able to <laughs> overcome these flaws. <laughs> okay, on. let's hear it. Okay, I got it. <laughs> okay, uh, let's hear it, man. All right. So, <laughs> three stars. Uh, I'm not going to say who wrote it, uh, but three stars. The headline is annoying banter. Uh, so so far, I think like pretty good for annoying banter to have three stars. But I've only been subscribed for about five or six episodes, so pretty good. We've you know we didn't lose him right away, uh, and I am still evaluating whether to keep this in my playlist. All right, so we haven't lost you yet. I'm a recreational player, poker player and a poker podcast and book enthusiast. 
I feel like Zach and Jack are always guessing their way through a poker hand until they reach a consensus with each other, often not challenging each other. Fair. Uh, you know, I think that... I, I would I would argue I, I definitely would not argue about the guessing our way through hands. But in terms of the agreeing with each other, I think that five or six episodes are pretty small sample size. I think we have some pretty healthy disagreements on the on the air. Yeah, I think we we disagree a decent amount. And I wouldn't say we're always guessing. I, I think we intentionally challenge ourselves with spots that uh, are not obvious at first glance. I think that's more interesting. So, yeah, we're we're guessing like. You know, we're not positive of anything that we say, but we're pretty damn sure we do our best. So hopefully that's good enough for most of you, although not for all of you. (laughs) Now, this is where it gets a little personal. The highbrow tone of voice they use is often irritating. The I will try and get through those barriers to see if I can benefit from the content. But for now, this one is at the bottom of my large number of poker podcast subscriptions. Is there some saying about rather being at the bottom than not there at all? Uh, if there isn't, there is now. Uh, so, yeah. Sorry about the highbrow, irritating <laughs> content. <laughs> uh, but we've been doing it for 100 episodes, and we're going to do it for at least 100 more. So we'll we'll try and tone it down, you know, around the 200 mark. Yeah. Let's let's shoot for a more medium-brow vibe. This yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, with that, definitely put in the show notes when the hands start, just so uh, you know all of our listeners that don't like the annoying banter can skip because we really just try to get just to the hands. But we thought we'd do a little, little special thing. For yeah, this the, just so. a little hundredth episode victory lap. You know, talk for like three minutes before the hand. Uh, yeah, we earned it. So real quick, this show is going to be a little different. Uh, we're going to have some of our good friends and favorite guests on to we're going to stick with hands uh but we're going to make it a little bit more informal try and get through some more hands a little bit more quickly than we normally do and just kind of have fun and celebrate 100 episodes so uh, i'm going to call our first guest uh our good friend mark lewandowski from cleveland mark welcome to the podcast for the first time how are you doing today doing pretty good this is really exciting i was looking uh looking forward to coming on the podcast sharing a hand and seeing what's up with you guys yeah well we knew we were going to have you on eventually figured the 100th episode was a good time to do it uh mark was a brief member of the just hands road trip that happened uh back this spring and mark is how long have you been playing you're uh i'm a solid year and a half in at this time nice. um but, but yeah definitely when i started that started on the poker on air with you guys i was definitely in my amateur stages and uh for anybody who's listening and is thinking about taking part in one of those streamed events i'll be one of the people to attest that it's just you get so much great experience and great knowledge from Zach and Jack. It's it's great, and you'll just you'll immediately see results, and you'll just better understand the game just from partaking. So, thank you guys for that. And uh, what else? Well, uh, I I'll be the first to say we did not <laughs> we did not tell him to say that. So that is uh, that is from the heart. Uh, of course, yeah. And Mark, thank you thank you for those kind words. I've known Mark for 
a lot longer than our poker relationship. But yeah, I'm glad to have you in the game. As we tend to do here, let's get to the let's get to the hands first. Uh, we hear that you have a hand for us. Yeah, yeah. So this is a, a hand from a few nights ago at the Jack Casino in Cleveland. It is a one-three game. We are playing seven-handed, and it's about one a.m. And I've been at the table for about an hour now. My okay. stack. Sorry. What? What else? What other details? Sorry. Did you say what day it was? Uh, this was about. This was Saturday. So okay. Cool. The twenty-eighth. Yeah. So okay. There's a, I think a significant difference like between one a.m. on a weekend and on a weekday at the Jack. Uh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So the villain in this hand, I've seen him multiple times. He is in his early thirties, perhaps. Um, I don't consider him to be, you know, a grinding professional. I believe he's got a, you know, another job that he's relying on in- on for income. Uh, however, he, what I noticed about him is that he's very composed. Uh, he seemed kind of patient. So whether he knew it or not, or whether he knew that he was clicking buttons or not, it seemed like there was some thought that was going into his bet sizes or his decisions. Uh, so that, that all was taken into account uh, in this hand. So he's kind of fairly loose, and I saw him take a few unconventional aggressive lines. And again, uh, that all factored in. So if you guys are ready, I'll continue. Yeah, so just to recap, it sounds like this villain maybe thinks that he's better than he is and is willing to make some moves, but generally doesn't have very, very much of an idea of like what's going on. Is yeah, that... that's, that's what I'm thinking. Cool. Okay. So in this hand, the villain is under the gun and he raises to 21. So that is the first kind of red flag in the hand. Uh, it's a pretty significant raise preflop seven handed under the gun. And I am in the hijack, and it folds to me with the Queen of Spades and the Queen of Diamonds. And I raise to 65. Yeah. I, so what are your guys' thoughts on that raise? To be honest, I like, <laughs> I was so, sh- I was so sure you were going to have Queens. Uh, <laughs> just because I think a lot of other hands, like when, when someone raises this big, like I'm not really thinking about three betting jacks for value. Not really planning on doing very much like three betting against this player, and so and I think obviously aces and kings. I'm always betting for value. Queens. I think this is one of those spots where you can like maybe make a nice preflop flat with queens sometimes, but I definitely don't. I have a hard time feeling like you can do any like you can be that wrong by three betting queens here. So I'm definitely fine with three betting it. I would consider like I think. So what are what are stacks here? So my stack is the effective stack with about 400 to start the hand. So 133-ish big blinds. Okay, then I think this is a fine sizing. I think, especially if you were if you were shorter, I would say like you could size down a little bit since it's just such a huge open. Uh, right, right. Like making it, like if you were if you had like a starting stack of 300, like I would say making it even like 50 would be a pretty effective raise. Uh, I think, though, we're going to be pretty comfortable, I think, folding to, like, a shove here. 
does that sound right, Zach? Yeah, I was going to say, like, right now, with the information I have, I'm slightly leaning towards three betting versus calling, but I just have a few more questions for Mark in terms of kind of deciding what to do. Uh, have, have, because you've played with this guy before, have you seen him raise to a size like this before? And if so, like, what other hands has he maybe shown down with? And also, if not, what's, like, his more standard sizing? Um, I'm not sure I've actually played with him before, but I've definitely seen him walking around the poker room. You know, I've seen him strutting around, showing off a stack or a couple of racks every once in a while, you know, trying to <laughs> trying to show the, the poker room that he's capable. Um, but no, like as, as far as what I've seen so far, this is like a pretty standout, standout-ish raise uh, coming from him. But I mean, there was an interesting hand or, you know, that took place earlier where there was some crazy action on the flop in the turn and he showed down like top pair with a weak kicker. And it was just, it was just an odd hand to show down with. And he was just like out kicked and it was just, it was kind of ridiculous in my opinion, but that's just based on the fact that this guy, yeah, based on like this guy, not seeming like you said, like doesn't really have a clue sometimes. I think this makes me a little more inclined to three bet after, after hearing that stuff. I would also add that, well, I think a big race size is going to be very strong. That big race size is usually more weighted towards like a tens, jacks, queen types hands in my experience than like aces or kings. Uh, it obviously depends on the player, but like whenever I've seen let someone, let's say at a two five game, someone make it fifty preflop, I think that's like way more likely with jacks than it is with aces. So twenty one, yeah, we're talking seven x versus ten x. Uh, I'm I'm still inclined to think, you know, jacks is a much more likely hand than both aces and kings combined based on the sizing. So let's, uh, let's raise for value. Yeah. I was, I was about to say that as well. I, I totally agree. Uh, okay. That's, that's a good consensus. All right. So we're off to the right. We're on the right, uh, foot here going into the, going into what he does. So it folds back to him again. He's in the, under the gun and he falls. Okay. So, so far so good. Yeah, I'm feeling very good about my hand right now. I'm feeling pretty solid. <laughs> so the flop comes three, five, six, two spades. And I have the queen of spades. Okay. And the oh. pot at this time is about $130. He leads out effectively for pot at $125. Mm-hmm. What, what's to be discussed here? So I would not advocate a fold. Right, absolutely um, not. I think a good so I guess let me just start off by saying like I'm feeling like we're often gonna be happy felting this hand. Like most runouts, like I'm happy to put in all the money. So I think you know, a lot of this player's pre flop range could do this. Uh I think we said the most likely hands are probably Ace King, Jacks intense and i think all of those could consider this like a good time to lead i don't necessarily agree but you know jackson 10 sees this as a favorable flop like they're feeling like this is about as good as they could have hoped for uh without you know spiking a set and they're going to go ahead and make sure that you don't get a free card with your ace kings and ace queens whereas the ace king could say like 
I have Ace King. I don't want to call a bet, so I'm just gonna go ahead and bet it myself. I think those are both like things I would expect one three villains to be thinking here when they lead out. And so, I guess the question is, are we better off letting this player continue betting, or going ahead and raising now and trying to get stacks in right here? Sure. And it. The nice thing about this bet is that it makes it easy either it's a jam right now for the rest of my stack uh or it's a flat yeah Uh, in my opinion what i was thinking is that if for some reason he's got a draw here he's playing it super aggressively and if i can evade or if i can yeah if i can evade or if i can hit a brick turn i believe he's still going to get the rest of it in and i can significantly increase you know, the equity that I have against the draws when, you know, a, tur- a brick hits the turn. Um, so that's why I, you know, lean towards calling. And then uh, that, that's, that, that was my thinking. Is that is that right in your guys' minds? So I'm, I'm going to jump in here. I, I think that against most, like, kind of 1-3 players, we definitely want to be shoving this flop. I don't think this player is going to have many draws in his range like just because now the flop makes many draws possible i think we should still go with the hand analysis uh and like distribution of hands this this we thought this player was likely to have based on the pre-flop action mm-hmm. which i think you know he'll have a lot of tensor jacks and this looks favorable and maybe in his mind you can have a lot of draws uh this is the type of play i'll, I'll see a lot with hands like tensor jacks or maybe occasionally like he plays you know the few draws he can have in the spot, like ace-king or ace-queen suited. Uh, maybe he's wider, doesn't have a clue what's going on, who knows. Uh, maybe his favorite hand is, you know, some suited connector. Um, but, you know, I think the vast majority of the time, he's going to have, uh, like, tensor jacks in the spot based on the action. Uh, so I think we want to just raise and get it in. And that, you know, if an overcard comes to those value targets we have on the turn... If we just call the flop, I think he's very likely to shut down. I also think to many players that aren't that sophisticated, shoving looks a lot bluffier, especially the way kind of you look, Mark, and you know your age. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think any value hand you're likely to get max value from on the flop, almost guaranteed, and that's not the case for the turn in the river. And then when it comes to bluffs, I think it's really rare that like a one, th- the average like one three villain is going to like double barrel after being called on this board. So I think we want to be shoving now. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would agree that I think shoving now is, is best. Uh, I think an ace and a king on the turn are... Both of those are going to make it very hard for us to make any more money in this hand. And, you know, right. both of those could turn some of some of the hands in his range into uh, hands that beat us. I think one thing I'll say about... I think thinking about flush draws here too much is a mistake uh, mm-hmm. because I think one, he's not going to have very many flush draws. Uh, the most likely flush draw I would say is ace king suited uh, or ace king. I think it's spades, right? Spades, uh, yeah. And I block the queen. Yeah, so. and so obviously he can't have ace queen of spades. Like maybe right. he would, maybe oh, he would lead out ace jack of spades. But there's just not that many spade draws he's very likely to have, and also. If we decide that flatting is best because we think it's very unlikely that he would call 
a shove with jacks or tens, but he would continue to put in money with those on a safe turn card if we call. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's the case. And that's really why I think we should shove is because I think that's our best chance to get value is just right here. But let's say we, if we didn't think that was the case and thought that we should try and keep jacks and tens around, one thing you can always think about is like, if that spade card came in, like, would we be able to fold? And I think like if the deuce of spades comes in on the turn, like we're not folding. Uh, and so we, we sort of have to just like accept that in those sorts of situations, we're sometimes going to get drawn out on and it's okay. And so waiting to the turn to put it in because we're going to have better equity against those draws, I think is a mistake in the situation where we really should just be focusing on the best way to get value from the hands that we're ahead of, uh, which is mostly, I think, Jackson tense. And so, yeah, I agree that we should just shove here since I think that's our best chance to get that value from Jackson tens. Okay, so the basis of both Zach and your and Jack, your decision here would stem from the fact that, in your experiences, a one-three player with this sort of description would be, you know, leading on this type of flop with Jacks tens more so than he would be leading with a flush draw like trying to bluff at the flush draw semi bluff at the flush draw does that because in my experience i felt like i don't know i don't know i felt that it would be less probable that he'd be well okay well let's let's imagine the only hand he could possibly have is ace king of spades if we knew he had ace king suited i think we would be shoving here true yeah yeah, and i I don't think he's ever folding the ace king suited the way he's playing prior so it doesn't make sense to just get it in now okay yeah, it's totally a fine outcome if he were to bet pot and fold a flush draw. That's great. Um, so, yeah, I, I think like I think that he doesn't have many flush draws here, but if he's more likely to bet with a flush draw, I think that's almost a better argument for shoving. But I, I still don't think that that's a large part of his you know range in terms of you know huge rage preflop calling the three bet betting pot on this flop. Okay, okay, that's fair. Then that's just a misinterpretation misunderstanding on my part on perhaps the tendencies of a losing one three player um <laughs> there's a good well i don't know there's a you're, good section you're playing more one three at the jack than us so maybe things maybe things are a little different there's a good section at the beginning of mathematics of poker that talks about this sort of drawers made hand scenario and i wish i remembered it better but i'll try and i'll try and find it for another time because uh, it illustrates this pretty well and basically, in different situations, the flush draw will want to get it all in, or often the draw wants to get it all in, but depending on the stack sizes and how you can bet, the made hand wants to do different things. But this is a scenario where I think we're best just shoving. Okay. So I like to call, looking to basically get it in on most turns, uh, even some of the spades that you have mentioned. Uh, however, the turn comes the seven of spades. So now the board is three, five, six, seven with three spades. And very quickly he jams within, I don't know, four seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think we should call. Yeah, I don't think we should fold up. I don't, I definitely don't expect to be good most of the time, but. Oh, I don't know. I think. Jacks or tens could do this. I think ace king with like the ace of clubs or even the king of clubs, sorry, you know, spades could do this. And 
there are some hands that he could have that we have outs against. I mean, we have outs against anything he could have because we could always hit a queen, but uh, our queen of spades will be live sometimes when we could use it. Uh, like if he ever had, if he ever was slow playing aces and doesn't have the ace of spades, it's a possibility. But yeah, I think you have a little bit too much hand to fold here, especially since I think it's possible that your opponent could be shoving worse. Yeah, that's a good assessment. I I think I overthought overthought the situation and uh, ended up tanking and and uh, laying it down and and showing the guy the queens, and he was just like, oh my god, and he turned over eight of spades, eight of clubs. So I don't know if that. I mean, it it sort of fits the range, but it's on the lower end that you guys were thinking of. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it makes definitely makes sense, and I think shows why you know e- even if I think you're only going to be good here like you know forty percent of the time just with the pot outs you're getting, it's it's a bit of a too strong of a hand to fold, and people do kind of crazy stuff in big pots, you know, where they just kind of decide that they really want to win and don't really think about like how different cards affect people's ranges, uh, and that's going to be more true at the lower stakes. So sometimes you just get a hand that's that's kind of good enough and even if many of the kind of metagame things might lead you to believe that you're behind you kind of just have to to make the call with the odds you're getting yeah and i think this is not so surprising to me that if he had the same pre-flop which i don't think is a guarantee like i think a lot of people treat jacks and eights pretty differently in terms of their pre-flop sizing and just behavior but it's a definitely not out of the question um, I think a lot of people who show up here with a, a pocket pair, like an overpair with a flush card, are much happier to get it in than they probably should be. Hmm. Yeah, I must. Yeah, I'm disappointed. I, I, I uh, really. I guess I gave this guy a little bit more credit than he he should have had. I just wasn't expecting to see, you know, <laughs> eights to tens, maybe maybe jacks. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think. Just... I think folding queens without a, a spade here is reasonable because that, that changes things in a few ways. Like now your opponent can have ace queen of spades, king right. queen of spades, I guess is a possibility. And when your opponent has a hand like jacks, tens, nines, eights with a spade, uh, you know, a fifth, of the, a fifth of the deck beats you that wouldn't have. Um, so all those factors combined, and also, like, if you're ever losing to aces, like, you have fewer outs. Uh, all those combined make queens with the queen of spades a much more valuable hand. So if you if you had folded queens and felt cheapest, if you had found out that he had eights, uh, I would I would think that's, like, a much more reasonable thing to do. I, I, I think queens with the queen of spades has good blockers and is a little bit too much hand to fold. Uh, I also think there's normally not much of a reason to show your hand when you fold, especially. I think a big advantage that we have at the lower stakes is knowing that people don't bluff enough. And the more confidently we can act on that, I think the better we'll generally do. And so if you give people a reason to think that they can bluff you and you're still making the same assumptions or you can no longer make those same assumptions, uh, either one of those will, will hurt your win rate. So I definitely would not like ever suggest showing like a big fold especially like i think it's much sure. more plausibly good to show like a bluff you know or give saying, some fish that was, folds too much like show them that you have a good hand like 
Yeah. I was mainly just interested to see what he had, and I doubt he was going to tell me what he had or show what he had unless – because I folded, there was no reason for him to show. But So you think that he's – he thinks he's good? He thinks he's jamming for value here? Like what – I guess I'm still confused on what is going through his mind and what you guys think about that. Okay. I have thoughts, but Zach, do you want to go first? Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's necessarily thinking about, like, that he has, like, a value hand or a bluff and he's trying to accomplish, like, to get a better hand to fold or to get a worse hand to call. I think he had a hand that he really liked pre-flop and, like, didn't want to face a tough spot with, as evidenced by the sizing. Then when he got three-bet, he was like, this hand is too good to fold and I want to see a flop. And then he saw a flop that looked kind of favorable and just decided, I want to win this and I'm going to bet. I think it's kind of more like that versus, you know, really thinking about it in terms of, like, what are our targets and, and is it realistic that we can accomplish that? Yeah, I think this is a lot of uh, just, like, more comfortable betting than calling out a position. Um, you know, he saw a flop that was good for him and maybe was worried you would check back and hit your hand or just didn't would rather bet than call generally and just decided to bet. And then when this excellent turn card that, you know, he probably realized he was never going to fold and thought that the best thing to do would just be to shove. Uh, I think that's basically what's going through his head is like just more comfort betting and not wanting to like make a tough decision calling and feeling like betting is just a reasonable thing to do. Uh, and I think the problem with that is that he doesn't give you an opportunity to, to bluff and the hands that you're going to call with that you three bet uh, are doing very well against his hand. And so really he is bluffing. And I don't know if he realizes that. And it also probably means that when he doesn't bet, uh, he is, he's not very likely to have a hand like eights or jacks. Uh, and you can probably bluff pretty relentlessly. It's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, in the, must've just been seen it from a different viewpoint. It's unfortunate, but yeah, you guys definitely arrived to the the correct conclusion. Uh, and uh, yeah, unfortunate for me, I was blown off my hand. Yeah, Zach and I both agreed that like, you know, you definitely can be beat here. Uh, you might be beat even most of the time. Uh, I just don't think you're beat enough to fold. And I think that the credo of like, you know, when when people bet, they generally have it is. It's still probably true here. I just think that uh, people will consistently do things like betting a hand like eights with with a spade here that we should just call, especially when we have the queen of spades. All right. Fair enough. That's a nice a nice wrap on the first hand of the 100th episode. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate the input. Definitely going to take some of that and carry it over into, you know, hopefully more hands in the future. Yes. Keep it, keep it coming, Mark. Uh, <laughs> I think I think you're a really great example of you know how fast you can improve if you really want to in, in such a short period of time. Yeah, definitely been putting in a lot of hours. Unfortunately, not so much recently. Finishing up these uh, last few assignments for grad school, and but once it's over, I'm I'm going to get back out there and uh, hopefully make some some large strides. So we'll see. Yeah, man, that's exciting. Uh, yeah, and hopefully we'll see you out. Uh, either in New York or LA this December, uh, maybe both. We'll see. And maybe we'll, maybe we can try and get you on again, uh, leading up to that. 
Yeah, sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right, Mark. Thank you, man. Yep. No problem. See you guys. Peace. Bye. That was fun. Yeah. So that's Mark. Let's, who, get, let's who, get Peter in the mix. We're getting Peter in the mix? All right. Let's yeah. do it. All right. We've got our second guest of the day, Peter O'Neill, a former podcast guest, a Crush Live Poker video contributor and general poker crusher. Uh, Peter, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on the hundredth episode. Yeah, of course, man. You've been with us since almost the beginning. Uh, you know, in various no, capacities. Beginning. Yeah, all that graphic design work. <laughs> yeah, the Just Hands logos are all thanks to Peter. He's also a presence in the Just Hands membership group. One of the Just Hands pros, given uh, excellent advice and keeping us in the loop. Uh, in terms of the poker world at large. Peter, you've been out in uh, L.A. now for a little while. How are you enjoying things? Uh, it's great being out here. I've been getting to play like the most poker I've ever got to play like consistently. I'm averaging probably around 30 hours a week of play, which is really nice. Um, yeah, it just feels fun to like get to try to play, just to play poker this consistently and really work on my game. And the games out here are great, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, what have you found to be like the major differences between the play in LA and you know what you've done around Ohio, uh, where we met and where you went to school? Well, I'm definitely playing a little bit higher than I would in Ohio, or at least the games play a lot bigger. Um, I played probably I played a fair amount of one two, and then a fair amount of one uh, two five in Cincinnati, and some in Cleveland, and uh, I think Cincinnati game is where I played all my two five, and that's a five hundred cap. Um, and out here, I'm, I've been playing five five thousand cap mostly, which ends up playing a lot bigger. I mean, the games are a little bit more gambly anyway, but the cap being two hundred big blinds instead of a hundred makes the games play a lot bigger. But yeah, overall, just a little bit softer. I mean, I think it's fair to say people have a little bit more money out here in LA than they might in Ohio. So, <laughs> yeah. Just overall softer, a, little, a few more fun players, I guess, is a good way to put it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I haven't gotten to play that much in L.A., but that's been just about exactly how I would describe it. And yeah, I, the thousand cap structure, when the poker economy is comfortable with it, is really much better. I do think the—we've talked about this on the show before. Like In some places, I think the 500 cap is actually better overall. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. You know, like there are some games in Florida where, or like you can compare some of the 500 cap 2-5 games to the 1,000 cap 2-5 games, and I think the 500 cap games are just much softer and much more prevalent in the rooms compared to like 1-3. But yeah, when, when when you can support it, getting in that extra 100 big blinds is really awesome. Yeah, uh, I think it works best in LA because um, there's higher stakes above this. You know, there's a fair amount of 5-10 and then 10-20 and even some higher stakes occasionally where lots of places two five is like close to, if not the biggest game. So um, I think that helps like keep the level of play good at two, five, even though it, or five, five, even though, even though it plays fairly big. Yeah. I think definitely like when you have more options, people gravitate towards the middle ones and feel like a little bit more comfortable there. Like when it's just, you're confronted with like, is it one, three or two, five and you don't feel like super confident in your game. 
you're prepping to choose one three, but if like you have a choice of like one two one three two five 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 uh you know five ten and ten and a quarter like you're more likely to choose the middling option or that that's my my guess like I don't have any sort of scientific proof about that but yeah and overall I just right because yeah, sorry, yeah like two, I was just gonna say like two five you put a more volume there Peter than me but I've played a, a fair amount and you know it it definitely seems like there's not a substantial difference between you know two five players in LA and like one three players in Cleveland just in terms of kind of skill level yeah um I also think that the, I think that at least the game I play in currently plays deceptively big and I think a fair amount of people like buy into the game not realizing how big it big it ends up playing um, especially like in LA people are pretty liberal with throwing out straddles and stuff and uh, that's what I've enjoyed mm-hmm. the most about the game getting deep with people and I just really love playing deep stacked it's not something I get to do a ton um, given that I came from mostly playing a lot of online 100 big blinds and Playing playing deep is just a lot of fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. I've been loving. I've been playing mostly in a five five game with a fifteen hundred dollar cap that uh, ends up very deep. Like very often, multiple stacks over three k. And there's sometimes a, a button straddle fifteen, but a lot of the hands there's not. And so, yeah, getting to regularly play very deep stacked is is super fun. Do you have any hands uh, from these games for us? Yeah, I have two. I guess I'll start with the more interesting one, and then we have time. The other one's a bit shorter. All right. Um, yeah, so this is playing 5-5. Five, five. Um, hand starts around 1,200 effective. Um, we have pocket kings under the gun and open to 20 and get five callers. <laughs> um it's one of those bittersweet spots where it's like you're happy to have callers, but like it's it's just like kind of annoying. It's it's not annoying. Yeah, you know, it's bittersweet. It's like the sweet fuck. spot's probably around like three people. You know, like we're getting still making a lot of money, but yeah, or making it like you know fifty over four limpers and then getting those hands to all call versus like yeah. opening under the gun and then getting anyway. Uh, so you get five calls. Most in position, or did both blinds come along? Both blinds, and then the other three are in position. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, flop comes Jack seven three rainbow. Uh, checks me. I decide to bet eighty, and four players call. Um, three in position, <laughs> one of the blinds. <laughs> yeah. This. I mean, like, obviously, it's it's hard to be a little results oriented here, but. I would say, like, my standard sizing from under the gun and like, one of these games is probably going to be 25, and I'm probably inclined to bet maybe a little bit more just kind of for this reason, you know, that I feel like people are just going to be a little more inelastic out in L.A., you know, with more money, and uh, so people just seem to call a lot more there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I definitely can see myself, like, I usually like to keep my pre-flop sizing fairly, like, consistent. I'll mix it up if, like, I have like a read on someone or if it's like if it's like a fish's straddle i'll like bump it up a few big blinds or something but um, i was fairly new to the table even though i knew a couple of players so i just went with a standard 20 but yeah after playing at the table table for a little bit i might have like increased my open size a little bit how much uh how much limp three betting are you able to do in these games like is it basically always open to pre-flop 
because uh, I um, I think another obvious solution to this like is just to be doing a lot of that versus doing any other thing. Opened, I don't think it's opened enough. There are definitely players that like they're definitely the right table, but you can be at the right table to do that. But in my experience, a lot of the regulars aren't great and do a little bit too much limping when they should be doing some isoing. Um, and obviously, recreational players aren't known for raising like super wide unless they're like specifically aggressive um so yeah I, I haven't really done any of it i don't think it's like the best thing to do and also like there's a reasonable amount of like people throwing in like the min or like 2.5 x3 bets that like it doesn't happen a ton but like i think there's enough three betting and stuff that just openings better with big pairs and stuff like that okay yeah, I can get behind that. Like, if it's going to limp through a lot, then definitely we don't want to be doing that. Uh, and yeah, obviously, inducing three bets with, uh, or getting anyone to three bet with kings is pretty solid. Uh, yeah. Okay, so Jack seven three rainbow, you said? Yes. Um, yeah, and four players call. One in the blinds and all three players in position. Okay, so what are... I'm trying to think, like, what turn cards would we continue on? Uh, I think a three is a really good card, or a king. A three? I mean, there are a lot of bad cards, for sure. I think a deuce, for sure. If we can bet again on a deuce. A three, yeah. I think anything, like, six or lower is fine. Um, Yeah, definitely. I think we're definitely checking any seven... Seven or Jack. Uh, checking any. Uh, probably well, yeah. Can, checking any. We can get to and the checking any ace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We could just decide what we're gonna want to do there. I think the most interesting cards are really like kind of eight, nine, and ten. Yeah. Well, the turn is a nine, bringing backdoor diamonds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think. Probably all these players have Jack nine and seven nine suited in their ranges, right? And eight ten. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Probably some Jack nine off too. Eight ten, I think, is like possible, but I mean, like, I think it's hard to say. I'm not 100. percent I'm not. I definitely would not rule it out from anyone, but I wouldn't give everyone like 100 percent frequency of eight ten. Yeah, that's fair. But I think like for especially for the people calling later, I think it's pretty likely like i think like the big blind could easily have like all combos of 810 yeah so, definitely i mean so, i would call that with 810 yeah to the for sure so i i would my feeling is that like we are i don't know the it's the reason like the reason to bet would be because i don't think calling is essentially better so I mean, what do, what do you think? Are, like, are any of these players would you call call a bet from? Let's say a bet larger than like half pot. Um, definitely some um, people do like a fair like. I mean, if it went like I check like someone three hundred plus and like a call, like I would be pretty tempted just to fold. But I mean, again, like people just it depends on the player. People like betting a lot of hands that like. I personally think they shouldn't bet like some Jack Ten, some Jack Eight, like Seven Eight, stuff like that. Um, 
and like even against two pair we have like okay equity although not not great obviously um but it, it would depend a bit on the players but like given i think people's willingness to bet some hands that they maybe shouldn't like some jack x i would i would have a tough time falling into like one bet and no calls or maybe even one bet and one call from like the right players but yeah it would, it would be dependent on the spot Okay, well then, in that case, I, I like checking. Um, if we think people are going to be willing to bet uh, hands like Jack-10 and Jack-8 for us, then I'd rather just check and see what action uh, unfolds and yeah. evaluate after that. I just want to add that I, I, I think that even if that wasn't the case, I would like checking. I think just especially against... You know, a player pool like this in a multi-way pot. I think you know, Peter, you're you're going to have kind of enough perception, both kind of on the qualitative, observing people and tells, as well as interpreting bet sizing or you know betting and calling, and be able to make a, a good decision. So I, I I think I'm almost always checking here, uh, and kind of just checking to 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 evaluate what other people do. Yeah, yeah. Although that's like, I think against like the right people, like betting can have some merit like if you think you're like very rarely going to get raised as a bluff and like you can just like bet hold pretty comfortably like you get some protection a fair amount of value it's not like like you can clear out a fair amount of equity i don't i don't mind it but like as a default like i i checked pretty quickly just because like i'm pretty used to like i don't know i should maybe think about spots like this more and i think it's probably still a check but but yeah i ended up checking and uh, do you want me to go on with the action? Yeah, let's go on. Yeah. So the player next act, who is a regular, who, like, I haven't played with them a ton, but I don't have a... I've played with them a fair amount, and I don't have a ton of respect for their game. They've done some pretty weird, like, stuff I would consider pretty bad. Um, like, really quickly, there's a hand, like, I open late position, and they three-bit three me with queen four off. And there was another hand where, like, it was six ways to a flop, a f- and the flop was uh, nine eight six with two hearts, a field better bet. This player raised like four x, and I three bet shoved for like a thousand total over the their like two fifty raise, and they called up pocket sevens on nine eight six. Um, so like, this player is definitely regular, and I think they play at least part-time for profit. I see them there probably at least 30 hours a week, but I don't have a ton of respect for their game. But anyway, it checks to them next act, and they bet 130. And the button, who's like a recreational reg, who's like, okay, I haven't seen a ton calls, and it's back to me. Real quick, I was shooting a... I had to shoot a message to our next guest. So I only loosely heard that uh, extraneous... or the extra hand history... But I, I thought for a second you were talking about this hand. I was like, Peter, you should not be three betting this uh, this turn card. <laughs> no, I had a much more reasonable hand that hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but we uh, so we see. Okay, so what position we run under the gun? So next to act. Run under the gun. This player is in like MP one, who bets one thirty five, and the button calls, and then. Um, it's back to me. Yeah, I think for this for this price, we we shouldn't be folding. I don't see much of a reason 
to bluff unless we can be really sure we have the best hand and or no, sorry, not bluff to raise unless we're very sure that we have the best hand and can fold out a good amount of equity. But even that seems like we're, we don't stand to gain so much from folding out equity here that I would probably almost always just call here. Yeah. Um, so I did decide to call. Yeah, and, and the pot the to recap the pot on the turn was like a. Four five twenty. Five twenty. Okay. So yeah. So we are getting extremely good odds here. Uh, yeah. Nine twenty-five going to the river. No. All right. Yeah. Just to, to recap for the audience, like this is a spot where I'm calling here in Peter's eyes, and I, I don't think I'm good, you know, seventy percent of the time. But we don't need to be good that often to have this be a profitable call. And I think people will play even more face up on the river. So. Yeah. Well, the river is interesting. The river is a seven. Oh, okay. Um, so I didn't think for too long I checked, but did you guys? I thought for a little bit about leading out. Would you guys like as a blocker kind of value bet? Would you guys ever consider that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think bet folding here is probably, you know, I think most Jack X is going to check back here, and you know. We also, depending on the action, might get bluffed off the best hand by checking, where I think in this kind of lineup, if we bet like one-third-ish pot, Jack X is never folding, um, you know, the occasional gut shots that called the flop and hit a nine on the turn might even call. Um, but yeah, I think I might want to bet between like one-third, one-half pot, kind of value target the jacks and feel pretty comfortable folding to any raise in a you know live LA 2-5 game. I will say that, like, I don't think 7x is super uncommon here. Like, I don't think we're never going to see 7x. I think we'll see plenty of 7x. Uh... For the record, um, 7x of diamonds is not possible. The fl- the, fl- uh, the 7 on the flop was a diamond. So, mm-hmm. But I think uh, okay. for, for 135, a lot of 7, 8, and 7, 10 will call. Uh, right or wrong, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh but I think those are very possible, and so I think there's a, a, a decent amount of seven x. I don't I don't think it'll necessarily raise us for value either. But that doesn't really matter. I would say that the best reason to check here is that we just don't think we're getting called by worse enough, and I think that's very possible, especially if we think that like a hand like Ace Jack would fold. So I would I would definitely consider. I think betting and checking are both pretty reasonable i would actually be curious this is like a good hand to do a breakdown for and get some software in the mix uh, to help out since i think yeah it's a lot to keep track of anyway yeah so i don't know if i said i did decide to check in retrospect i think that like i think betting like 300 is like probably a little bit better um yeah i just think like we're just we're definitely going to get value from some Jack X. I think like Ace Jack, Jack Nine will have a lot of trouble folding, um, especially for that price. And I would really be surprised if we got like bluff raised here. So I'm pretty fine like bet folding, um, kings here. So yeah, yeah. I'm all, I'm also very comfortable if we bet folding. Uh, I'm wondering if if I was confident that like seven X would reveal itself through sizing. On this river, then I would be totally 100%. Let's check it. 
Uh, but since I'm not sure that that's the case, like I do like betting a little bit better. Yeah, I wouldn't be sure either. Um, yeah, I think I prefer betting. I just like coming from online. I almost never like have leads in many spots. Like it's something I need to like think about more playing live because I sometimes like almost automatically, not automatically check, but just kind of check without thinking. Um, when like I've checked on a previous street. Yeah, I think like a spot like this where no one is really particularly polarized. Uh, in fact, everyone might be capped. Um, mm-hmm. You have to be doing some leading. And, or, and also the, the constraints that normally stop people from leading are not there. Uh, yeah. I just think this is a pretty great spot to exploit people. Like, not bluff raising nearly enough. Maybe not raising for value wide enough. And calling probably a little too wide. Yeah, I think especially calling too wide. Uh because if people are going to call with ace, like, <laughs> if people, I mean, calling with ace jack, like, it might not sound crazy, but when you consider, like, when you really think about it, it's so crazy. It's a horrible, it's really <laughs> a horrible call. It's uh, quite hard for me to shrug with a bluff here. Like, yeah, it's really hard. Uh, like maybe some king queen, but yeah, I mean, I guess like drawing to like the nuts. Getting a really good price on the turn, I don't hate peeling there. And like a king or queen might be good. I guess yeah. I could actually see myself playing king queen that way. But like I also probably wouldn't bluff it on the river just because. You also might not like. You might just, I think, say fuck it on the flop a lot. Like yeah, yeah. I'm not. I would not bet the flop for sure. Yeah. <laughs> point. No, like if you had a if you had a backdoor, like occasionally like betting, a backdoor flush draw king queen on the flop, it, it's sort of unnecessary. Uh I mean, there's a small chance I could play like nine eight, ten nine like this maybe. But even then, I'm not sure if I like that flop. Just because. Yeah. Well. Um. Yeah. So we check it. Yeah, and the same villain bets two sixty. And the button thinks for probably about twenty seconds, gives kind of like, like a half shrug and calls. That's back to me. Two sixty to call. Uh, about fourteen fifty in the pot, so we're getting very good odds. I think you oh, just yeah, got to just got to fold. Calling here. Mm-hmm. What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I think <laughs> okay. I think at this point we should definitely call. Like I think we'll win it enough. Yeah, that's kind of what I ended up thinking. I actually didn't even do the complete pot odds. I just kind of. Um, in a spot like this, you don't really need to know the exact pot odds. Like I think I think you're definitely good here at least twenty percent of the time, and you need far less than that. I was very annoyed with this spot, but I put my money in fairly quickly. I kind of feel like um, this, the reg has a seven. Oh, the reg has the last hand you'd expect the reg to have. Like ace-king? Yes. No. The last hand you'd expect the reg to have. Seven-deuce? Seven I don't the know. The reg has the other pocket kings. <laughs> that is that is the last hand I think I would have expected. <laughs> Literally last hand. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! Did you guys win? Dude, why don't you move? Why don't you move up to a sake where they can respect your raises? <laughs> well, uh, the button actually had pocket threes. Oh, okay. so the button flopped a set. Man, yeah, that's awesome. That's a great hand. <laughs> it took you guys along for a ride. Yeah, uh, it was very. It 
increased my lack of respect for this regular even more after. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think pre costs us a lot of money, but he deceived you. Yeah, he <laughs> would not have been able to get it in bad like this if uh, he hadn't checked or if he hadn't played preflop. I had a I had it's a really so annoying because I opened I opened so much in these games and like several players have commented on it. And, like, if people just aren't going to 3-bet me with, like, kings and stuff, like, people just don't 3-bet enough, so I just open really wide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, had... but, dude, but then, you get, but then you get trapped, and then you lose a pot, so. That's true. Both on you. <laughs> That's true. I had a really annoying spot where, in this 5 have game I'm talking about, I opened kings in early position. I might have already mentioned this on the podcast, so sorry if I did. Uh, but I opened kings in early position... And I got called in like at least three spots, maybe maybe four, uh, at least one out of the blinds and two in position, one on my direct left, uh, and from like some very loose players who will do some three betting. Uh, the flop is like, this is not a very detailed hand history, heads up, but the flop is ace high, uh, it checks through, on the turn, the turn is a blank. The person who called from the blinds, who has like definitely a tendency to like stab with really dumb hands, and he also will call like almost anything preflop, bets, and I think about calling, and I decide to fold since I do think some of the players behind me could check an ace on the flop. So I fold. They both call, so I'm like patting myself on the back, like wait, good fold. And the river is a blank. It checks through, and the guy who led the turn had jacks. And the winning hand was Queens by the guy who called, like, right on my left. You definitely mentioned this on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this this shit just, like... Or you told me, yeah. Yeah, I definitely told you. I can't remember if I said it on the pod. Sorry if I did. But, yeah, that that just had me in, like, a, in a mood. Not, like, a bad mood, but just, like, in sort of, like, a... I don't know what to make of this. Yeah. Those are the most annoying spots where, like, you're like, I gotta make a disciplined fold here. <laughs> and then you just find out that you're right anyway. You had the best hand. All right. So we're back with Peter. We're doing another hand. Uh, continuing with uh-huh. the 100-episode celebration of Poker Strategy. All things just hands. So let's uh, let's do it. Yeah. So this is a pretty quick hand. Um, starts at around 1,500 effective. The main villain is in this hand is pretty new to the table but it is a fairly large fish, which I figured out pretty quickly as one of the when he was coming over, one of the four men like said to another reg, uh, said the godfather's coming over in that seat, and the player very quickly moved their chips to the seat directly to the left of this player. <laughs> so and like playing with this guy for about half an hour, um, I can tell he's a pretty he's a pretty large fish. Um more in like the like stationary side than like the like super like aggressive bluffy side but um yeah so i'll just get right into the hand um <laughs> the hand starts with wait wait wait, wait real quick all right sorry is he ahead. more is he more like the godfather of all fish or very much like <laughs> the godfather more like more like the godfather I okay like he's 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 a baller that loses in poker or like, yeah. Well, that's one way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this guy obviously has some money. 
Um, yeah. But he was like an older, like Middle Eastern guy. But yeah, anyway, I'll get right into the hand. Um, <laughs> there were four limps to me in the cutoff. And I have um, A6 suited. And I decided to just over limp. Um, I didn't love the prospect of ISOing these particular players, I remember. And I also like playing like very large multi way pots with like suited aces because they draw to like like overflushing people I think is obviously very profitable. And people will limp in with almost any two suited cards some sometimes. Um so like are you guys ISOing here or like okay limping behind? I'd probably prefer limping behind in this lineup. Yeah. Uh, mainly just because I'm not gonna be super confident of being able to ISO. Like I think if if we were to like do a standard race size here plus a limp and think we could isolate like seventy percent of the time, I would do that in a heartbeat. But I think that's pretty ambitious for, you know, the average LA two five game. Yeah. Um so anyway, the the villain is actually on my direct left, unfortunately. Um and he raises to thirty, which is um, one of like the first times I think I've seen him raise like I said he wasn't like super aggressive raising a ton of hands pre-flop so I'm giving him like a reasonable hand but obviously it's a small sample um, and then all four players call and I actually call call as well yep cool wait yeah. what do you have again? A6 of space right right okay yeah so the flop is uh, there's one A in the pot the flop is uh, deuce four five with two clubs and one spade. Um, checks to me. I'm definitely not gonna just bluff into this pot. I check, and uh, the villain checks back. Um, and then the turn is a very interesting card. The turns uh, a three of diamonds, and it checks around to me again. Okay, so the board is you said it's two, two three, three four, four five. five. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we have a six card straight, which is. Great, because it's you know six beats five. So I I don't see a really compelling reason not to bet, especially since we can probably get a lot of value from other aces, uh, especially if the the Godfather has an ace, which feels I wouldn't I don't know if you can call it likely, but like a you know strong possibility, uh, even though we have a new blocker. Yeah, I thought giving him like giving him a reasonable range pre-flop when he raised pre and checked the flop, it was fairly likely that he had an ace. Um, yeah, I just think that aces fit into that range pretty well. And so we can, we could go ahead and check raise. Uh, go for a check raise if we thought he had a uh, ace a ton and would bet it. But I think we don't want to risk missing value from other aces in the pot, which are also possible. I think plenty of aces could check this turn from the people in earlier position. So I would mm-hmm. opt to normally just bet. Agreed. Okay. Well, uh, I got fancy. <laughs> yeah, no, I I, um, I get the appeal. Uh, I think it's close. I, I think I didn't weigh in enough um, getting value from other people's aces. Yeah. Perhaps. Also, but I mean, who do, do you think this? We could like bet the turn, and like if just this guy calls, we could like try to check raise river, or just shove the river. Yeah, yeah. Although yeah, I, think uh, I'm definitely I don't know how deep we are. 
Yeah, I forgot if I said we're fifteen hundred dollars effective. Okay. So oh. like fairly deep. Like yeah. probably might be a little much. Yeah, definitely overbetting. Yeah, overbetting for sure though. Um anyway, luckily this player bets one forty and it folds back around to me. Um and like I don't know why like I did two things wrong here. Like the sizing the size I planned to make it was too small anyway. But I actually misclicked like live misclicked by a hundred dollars. I only made it four hundred. I meant to make it five. But I think I should go like at least six hundred here. Or or more possibly. Like I would like to check raise to a size that like a river shove is reasonable. So you have fifteen hundred behind? Uh, we started fifteen hundred like after this guy bets he has like um he has around like thirteen hundred behind. Like after like taking out the one forty it's like thirteen hundred behind. Yeah. I mean I I can get behind uh making it bigger, but I think I think against a player like this, like almost any as long as we get a raisin on the turn, any river shove is gonna be fine. Like even if I don't think it matters that much how the money goes in. Like I think yeah. six hundred now and eight hundred on the river versus four hundred now and nine or one k on the river, it's not going to be a huge difference. If this guy is yeah. who we think he is, yeah. And like, and to be fair, it's like I've only played with him for like thirty minutes, but like he, he's definitely bad. But he hasn't done anything like insane yet. Um, but like he's definitely definitely bad for sure. But like. Like I, I just think like there's some merits like spacing out the bets a little bit. Like I don't think it's a hundred percent out of the question. Like people still see that like a six makes it straight, and I don't think it's a hundred percent out of the question that like if you bet enough money, someone like will like just fold an ace. Um, even someone who I think to be like a fairly large fish. Like, yeah. I mean, I definitely think there's a chance that this player will fold an ace. It's just a question of. Would it make a difference if, like, we bet 400 now and... Like, I don't think it's that much more likely that for him to fold an ace now for 600 when he would have called for 400 than to say that he would have called 600 now and then call 700 but would have called 400 now but folded to, like, a 1,000. You know, like, any any of these are possible. And, like, getting more money on the turn versus more money in on the river... I'm I'm very much rambling, but do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying, Zach? If both of you know what I'm saying, then I will not try and explain this any better. <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, so I, I think your sizing is fine, but I, I I think going larger is cool. Let's not let's not dwell on this too long. Uh, okay. We're we're milking um, the fish. What does he do? So he calls. And the river is probably the worst card in the deck. The river is the six of clubs. Bringing in the front door flush and counterfeiting my straight to now that the board is two, three, four, five, six. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we should definitely shove. Yeah. What do you think, Jack? You think shove? Yeah, I think shove. Like, are we going to fold? I just, I, yeah, I just don't want to lose. If we if we're gonna if we think we can really comf- comfortably fold to a shove, then like sure, let's check and evaluate. But I think 
I think there's a reasonable chance. I think it's not super likely that he has a seven. You have you can more plausibly represent a seven. I think. And a flush and, draw. Oh, the the flush draw came in too. Yeah, I mean, I ba- basically like it's gonna we're gonna feel really silly when we like shove or bet large and get called by a flush or a seven. But I think just based on the action, it both both are pretty unlikely. And if we get this player to fold an ace, I think that's really, really good. What what exactly are the stack houses here, Peter? Like what what would a shove be in terms of the like how many pots? Um Let me think here. A shove would be like one point five. So yeah, I guess the question is like Is it that much? How much did you raise it on the four? So we had like a... So there's like 900 in the pot? Yeah. We have like 11 behind? Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe we started 1,600 effective. I remember it being like around 1.5. Okay. Like, I know I, I covered this guy, and I didn't like get an exact count on his stack. I just kind of looked over. I might have been off by 100. I think it was like... It's like around like 1.3 to 1.5. Cool. Pot. So... What I said before, I didn't realize the flush would come in. I'm a little bit more prone, I think, to check and consider folding, depending on what this player does. Like, we we have a read that he's more the passive type. Like, uh, so I think if he shoves, then I'm pretty comfortable folding, because I think, like, he's going to have a lot of flush, a fair amount of flushes here. It's, we're not sure he would ever bluff, and he could have a 7-2 and maybe shove it with that. So I, I think I'm probably just check-folding here check to, a to a shove. Yeah, and then to a smaller bet, we'll, we'll just see. Yeah. I was I was really uncertain what to do here. Because, um, like, I obviously thought about shoving, but I was like, if we're not really, like, I wasn't that confident we could get, like, him off a chop. So, yeah, if you're not like, confident if we're not getting him if we're not, just like, check. I thought it was definitely possible, but, like, if, I just wasn't sure if it was, like, I don't think he has too many flushes, because I think, like, most of his flushes are probably not flush draws, and I think that was almost always about the flop, because, like, they're a nut flush draw plus a gut shot. Although, like, that's it, like, I can't have that good of a read on this guy's pre-flop raising range after 30 minutes, so it's definitely possible he has a flush. Um, yeah, like, I don't know, like, I'm usually not this on certain spots, but I really, I really didn't know what to do. I think in retrospect, checking is probably better, and like feeling fine about folding to a shove. But um, I ended up doing something really weird, and I bet 400 just because like I'd been thinking for like almost a minute, maybe a minute and a half, which I almost never do when there's not like a bet facing me. I just like mm-hmm. I didn't want to like keep thinking, <laughs> so I'd like. I didn't know what to do, so I just kind of like put out a blocker bet of like four hundred. So I just thought I was taking too much time, like to get like for this guy to believe that I ever had like a seven or a flush or something. Yeah, I... yeah. The thing, the thing is, like, what are we trying to accomplish with this bet? Like, for a guy like this, we're never folding him off a chop. Well, I don't know so if that's we're true. To... For four hundred dollars, we're probably not. I don't think it's. But we might. I mean, if we are never, then yeah, of course, it's a terrible bet if we are never. But like, I think it's possible that we could. It's certainly it. possible. I, I think it's not more likely than like ten percent of the time. I think I think 
if we're not going to be trying to get him off a chop, which, given our information, I understand is a bit ambitious. We also just don't know exactly how many, you know, seven high straights and flushes you could have here. Like, I think our, our only two good options are shoving or um, checking. And Peter, after hearing a little bit more from you, I, I think I prefer checking, but I've, I think I, I do just don't too. see the value in betting. Yeah, I think I do too. I usually don't do this type of stuff. Like it was just a, it was a really weird spot because I was, um, I don't know. I just, I like really didn't want to shove because I wasn't, I had no idea how many like flushes or sevens this guy could have. I wasn't sure I could get him off a chop, and I didn't love checking and having to face like maybe a range of bets and like, like this guy like seemed passive-ish, but like I think he was definitely like. He's a like recreational player with money. I'm sure, like, <laughs> when he checks to him, it's possible that that type of player type could, like, just like try to bluff you off a chop. And like, so I didn't love the idea of checking and having like check maybe check call like a a shove because I wasn't 100 percent sure I could fold to a shove yet. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one behavior that I feel is pretty consistent from like amateur players is that. They don't do things that, like, seem unnecessarily risky. Like, uh, if they can check behind normally and win half the pot a lot, they think. I don't think as many players are apt to, like, make a big bluff, you know, when they already feel like they've sort of won and are just happy to, like, get that money. Yeah. I think it's a rare player who is neither like clearly a maniac or falls into that category, who is sort of like a clear fun player, someone who would take a spot like this and try and bluff you off a chop, but is generally fairly passive. Like, I think that's very unlikely, which is, I think why I like checking. Yeah. And then like, the only thing I would say, I agree, but the only thing I would say as devil's advocate is like, that I think that like this particular type of player and maybe like the type of player who plays recreationally in LA might be a little bit different from like a recreational player on the East Coast. That's fair. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Anyway, I ended up betting six hundred or uh, four hundred, and um, the weirdest thing, the weirdest thing possible happened. This dude started like cutting out like all his white chips, and was just thinking for a while and thinking for like four minutes, and then someone like someone else at the table who was like in a bad mood called the clock and the clock just started like ticking down. I'm like, all right, I don't think I'm gonna get shoved on. And then we just got to like 10 seconds. And I was like, this guy, is this guy going to call? And then the clock just like ticked down and the floor mucked his hand. <laughs> That's sweet. Great like, bet, and like Great bet. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, I'm not, I'm not sure if he didn't see the straight on the board or it was just like what was going on or like, but yeah, I was like, it was a very exciting like ten seconds as the clock was ticking. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, I'll just make. I just have a, a couple more little minor things to say about this hand. I I do think that like Ace Six is not a good bluff catcher, like relative to the rest of our range. Like, we don't want to bluff his or block his aces. Like we'd much rather block, you know some of his flushes if that's ever possible here but yeah we don't it'd be cool to have the ace of clubs yeah yeah we cool to have the ace of clubs somehow yeah 
But yeah, I don't. I mean, blocking other aces is not ideal. Um, and the other thing, the reason that I initially reacted positively to the bet of four hundred, and I think a bet of six hundred, I would like. I think that's a, a more realistic or a, a better bet as a not all in sizing, since I think that's something we could plausibly do with value hands. But the reason I liked it is because I think we were coming from like, we're thinking of like, how can we get all the money in? We're playing on shoving. And I do think it's like nice to, when the situation changes, like sometimes we stay locked into those sorts of mindsets. Like we were thinking about shoving. And so now we're still sort of in shove mode. And I think like taking a step back and being like, okay, what would I do with my whole range? Maybe I wouldn't always choose a shove here. Like, I think there's some value to that. Um, I don't think this is necessarily like the right spot to choose a spot that's not either a shove or a check, but I, I think it shows good habits. Yeah. I appreciate you defending my... <laughs> yeah uh yeah but i mean i think choosing like even if we're ne- like choosing a size that we would never fold to or never fold like if the player chipped like there's still some merit to that like in these very like polarizing situations yeah uh cool all right peter two hands 100 episodes uh, yeah, congratulations again. Thank you. All right, sweet. Okay, cool. Okay, thanks, Peter. Yo. Hey. Hey. Hey, Brent. How's it going, guys? Hey, Brent. Good. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. Good to be on. Are we recording right now? We are, but it's a. Uh, but we you'll can, edit we can it, definitely no. edit this out. Uh, or not. It's up to you. <laughs> All right. So, uh, well, what have you already done? One or two hands? Uh, we've done three. Yeah. Damn. And I think we're going to do probably two more. I'm just wow. looking back at our, our episodes. Uh, Brent, for those of you who have been with us since episode, uh, nine, was our first, or sorry, our second guest, uh, and also our first repeat guest in episode later. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't find it offhand. We do have a hundred episodes to look through. Uh, yeah, I think you were thirty-one. Thirty-one. So. so, so Brandon, it's been a minute. Uh, yeah. Well, congratulations on making a hundred episodes. Thank you. Quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it's been fun. But as as we do here, let's uh let's hop right in. Okay, <clears throat> all right. So uh, this is a hand uh, took place at MGM National Harbor, um, two five game. I think we were nine handed at the time. Uh, this this probably happened three or four weeks ago, so I might not have all the details perfect, but uh, pretty close. Um, so in this hand. Uh, under the gun player, a uh, standard, uh, typical recreational player. Um, I don't recall what his stack size was. It was, judging by the preflop decision I made, I'm guessing he had a, um, somewhere towards a, 
the high end of the uh, buy-in, so 900, 1,000, something like that. Um, he opens to 20. That's under the gun. The very next player, under the gun plus one, is a uh, a young, good, tricky pro. I think he's from South America or something. He uh, calls the 20 player in middle position a Mog, middle-aged white guy. Uh, he has about 850. Uh, he calls. Oh, I'm not sure if I mentioned the the pro, the first player to call. Um, he has us all covered, I believe. So okay. Uh, under the gun opens 20. Uh, South American pro calls. Middle position uh, with 850 calls. Now, I'm in the hijack with uh, Jack-10 of clubs. So, um, I don't know if you guys want to give your thoughts first before I tell you what I thought. Yeah, I, th- I think for, for starters, we're definitely never folding. Uh, this, is a, this is a spot where we're going to have a, kind of a pretty wide calling range. Not super wide, but we, we definitely want to be seeing a lot of hands here in position. Um, I think Jack-10 of clubs definitely could be in a light three betting range. But honestly, I'm, I'm not super inclined, based on the action, to to be three betting light that much. So if I am, I'm usually going to want to include, um, you know, a hand that plays worse in a multi-way pot, like a lower suited connector, or then you know hands that I could then turn into like a five bet bluff, like an a six suited. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Jack. Oh no, I basically agree. And that, I mean, the the main caveat would be like if you think you can get a lot of folds, then raise it but that's not been my experience Um, yeah well i definitely i obviously agree uh we're never folding and it's it's definitely a usually a call but i do like to mix in some uh uh light three bets with uh this kind of hand in this spot i'm not too crazy about three betting light versus an under the gun open however if it's not like a pro that's that was under the gun, uh, I do find people in general do still open way too wide in early position, and um, they almost criminally under four bet, uh, meaning they're almost always yeah. just flatting or folding um, to the three bet. And um, so I think this is, you know, it's probably in a vacuum, it's probably most profitable to call, um, but when I have the exact type of hand that I like to work in the occasional three bet. I do have um, kind of a, a a randomizing system that I use to decide uh, when to when to actually pull the trigger on the three bet, and uh, I'd, I'd prefer not to get too into that specifically. But in this particular case, it came up as uh, as as a fire trigger. Yeah, yeah. So. So I did decide to um, three bet here. Let's see, uh, what did I make it? A uh, hundred. So twenty, twenty, twenty. I uh, three bet to a hundred, and then it uh, it folds around to the under the gun player, who then folds, uh, which is always nice in this kind of situation. First domino. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and now the the. Pro player calls and middle position also calls. So you want me to move on to the flop then? Yeah, but I guess just uh, I'm thinking that we're up against a lot of these guys. Yeah, 
a lot of pairs, maybe some ace queen type hands. Yeah, uh, pairs, ace king, ace queen, uh, some suited connectors. Um, you know, so especially the the uh, middle position player, he could have some hands he's not necessarily supposed to have. So you always have to keep that in mind. Yeah, I will say though that like I would be pretty on a lot of jack and 10 high flops like not all jack and 10 high flops but on a good amount of jack and 10 high flops uh i'd be comfortable betting for value like i don't think we're out kicked that often here mm-hmm. uh or we really shouldn't yeah be. And the, the the first player like if, if you have respect for his game brent i think we definitely should be you know taking out like queen jack suited from their range but in my experience most like live pros in, in this spot are going to be just too too wide mm-hmm. uh and kind of just overestimate their edge especially out of position so it, it's really dependent on what you know moving forward if the main villain to the tricky guy kind of ha- how how we play stuff pre-flop because he, he really shouldn't be calling that much here because there's no guarantee the middle position player will call and then he's going to be you know heads up with you deep and out of position true um how deep are you by the way i can't remember yeah yeah i think i forgot to mention that i'm i'm not 100 percent sure but i've I think I was roughly in the fifteen hundred range, so uh, three hundred bigs, um, and the pro has me covered, and I got about two x the the other guy's stack, or not quite, but let's see. So yeah, um, it's so I find it a little bit interesting whenever under the gun opens, and then the very next guy calls, and that guy can still have like all the strong hands, I think, because. Um, He's not terribly incentivized to do a lot of three betting in that in that scenario and under the gun plus one. So um, now, it, however, I think once he just once he flats my three bet, I think we can take out a lot of the the stronger hands. So um, well, so if yeah. if he had a hand like aces, let's say, do you think yeah. do you think he has any sort of four betting range uh, at that point? Or would he always choose to call or fold to this three bet from you? I would expect him to four bet aces, but I can't say. I I, I wouldn't be too shocked if he didn't. But I would think, especially with the the third player in there still to act, he he has a lot of reason to four bet me. But mm-hmm. okay, so we're yeah, so we're discounting some of the deceptively strong calls that or calls of the original raise that did not choose to forbid yeah uh, which seems reasonable i think like i always love like getting a chance to raise out of a spot like that uh especially like against a player who you know could be squeezing fairly wide mm-hmm. uh which and it sounds this guy, like this guy i'm sure this is not our first time playing together he knows i can be wide here so um he would have a lot of incentive incentive to punish me with some four bets as well. Right. Uh, but but then I guess that gives him more incentive to flat with aces. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Although, I think if you're going to have a four-betting range, you should include a lot of aces. Just since, like, I think him having kings and queens is less likely than him having aces in this spot. Or that's my hunch, but... Uh... Yeah, that's true. He's probably more likely to four-bet kings than aces. Um, that makes a lot of sense. 
Should I move on to the flop? Let's do it. All right. So uh, pre-flop, let's see, minus rake. I think we have 320 in the pot. I have a jack, 10 of clubs. Uh, flop is jack of hearts, 10 of spades, 9 of hearts. So here are flops top two here, and uh, both of my opponents check. Do you want me to give my thoughts here or let you guys talk? Yeah, why don't you go first? Yeah. All right, I have... I have I kind of have a lot of... Uh, I think this is a really interesting spot here. Um, yeah. That's why I picked this hand. I think every uh, street, you know, you can make an argument to do something totally different than what I did. But anyhow, um, there's a strong case for betting. A, I probably have the best hand. Um, I have plenty of value targets. Um, all these straight draws, flush draws, ace-jack, uh, pocket queens or whatever um you know well that pocket queen's a pretty strong hand right here but anyway um i have a lot of value targets um that aren't likely to fold here um i'm all, it, it would be really rare i think to bet here and get two folds so from a straight up value perspective i think i do have some incentive to to bet this um however there's i think there's even more good reasons for checking uh First and foremost being that this would be a really nasty spot to get check-raised. Uh, I don't think I would... I certainly wouldn't have an easy decision facing a check-raise, I don't think. Um, and there's going to be... You know, I don't block any of the straights. Um, now, I don't expect necessarily the uh, the first position player, the pro, I don't think he's going to have a lot of king queen or uh, seven eight here but i guess i wouldn't be shocked if he had king queen and the the middle position player can have those hands i think um mm -hmm. let's see there's uh there's plenty of value that can check raise me here we got the straights obviously um any of the sets here are in their range you know i blocked the top two sets but um let's see i think this is 13 combos of king queen suited seven eight suited nines tens jacks um and then you know there's a fair amount of bluffs they could have in their check raising range as well which is why it would be such a tough spot to get check raise you got not flush draws a hand like ace queen um ace eight suited if the middle position player has that any uh 10x of hearts Pair plus a straight draw hand like queen 10. Um, again, a lot of these hands I'm not necessarily putting in the first player's range, more in the middle position player's range. Um, and you could even have somewhat accidental bluffs like uh, jack 9 or 10 9. Um, I could <laughs> see him uh, check raising hands like those and putting me in a tough spot. Um, also, a lot of the value targets that I have are are pretty much going to have really good equity against me anyway, so I don't think you're necessarily making a ton of money to bet and right. get called here. Um, and another yeah. important important consideration is this is kind of the exact type of flop that I'm really often going to be checking back as the pre-flop three better. Um, this, this flop kind of smashes their ranges, I think, and not so much mine. And that Jack-10-9 flop is like one of the most interesting types of flops in uh, in poker, I think, because it 
uh, you're rarely going to have people that just totally whiff, um, especially in a three-way pot like this. Uh, and, oh, sorry, another reason um, to check back is, you know, like I mentioned, I'm usually checking this back, but that usually means I have air or like a ace-king, ace-queen gut shot, or maybe I have a, an overpair. So it's kind of nice to have an under-repped uh, strong hand like top two in my check-back range. Now, there will be a lot of runouts where I, I still can't easily call down, but there will be will be plenty of runouts where I can um, call down knowing that I'm under-repped. Um, so I think it, this, this decision really comes down to the whole possibility of getting check raised because I think if uh, if my opponents could only call or fold, I would for sure bet here. And I think I would probably even still bet a hand like maybe bottom two anyway because it gains more from protection and it is an easier fold versus check raise. Um, and I might also yeah. bet, and I think I might also bet a hand like queens, which is a worse uh, absolute value hand, but um, has an easier call also versus check raises, given that it's um, open ended and it blocks the nuts and stuff like that. So I've said yeah, a lot. These are really so good. Shut up. No, I was going to say, Brent, these are really good points. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, just see this and it's like, oh, I flopped top two. But top two, when 300 big blinds goes in, I think has, you know, not a lot of equity against, you know, the good pros range. And I'd want to I'd want to understand a little bit more about the middle player before, you know, constructing the range. But I think even with the information I have now, I think Jack-10 is pretty squarely a check back uh, in this spot. I would have to have, you know... When I'm this deep against two other players, um, I would have to be very confident that they're like very loose passive and aren't going to check raise uh, bluff very often. Yeah, uh, I agree. You brought up a lot of the points that I was hoping to get a chance to bring up. Uh, Sorry, I beat you. No, yeah, no. This it's great. It's great analysis. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. I think a, a real key here is like. On the flop, the hands we get action with all have great to good equity against us. Like, uh, there's there's very few hands that will put money in the pot that we have just crushed. Like, almost none, maybe. And when that's the case, especially if there are hands that, like, have us in really bad shape in both of our opponents' range, and I think that's definitely true. Like, uh... You know, there's not a ton of sets, but I think both our players or both our opponents could have all the sets here. I think both of them could have king queen. Uh, if if not, it's likely that they have king queen. Um, and then there's a ton of other hands that have, you know, solid equity against us. Uh, but yeah, we're we're sometimes crushed. We're really never crushing when a lot of money goes in here on the flop or even one bet. And so I think it's a good time to, like, we need some strong hands to check back since we're going to have, this is really not a great range, or, sorry, a flop for our three-betting range, uh, even maybe less so for our perceived three-betting range. And uh, this is, I think, a good hand to just draw to a blank on the turn. And when the turn comes a blank, uh, we just are going to have much better equity against our opponent's ranges. It'll be much easier for us to put money in the pot and to make value bets if it checks to us. Yeah, that all sounds good. That's uh, 
some of the stuff that was going through my mind as well. Uh, and yeah, it's good recognition in the moment. Uh, you did check. I did. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good recognition in the moment. It's very. I think it's easy to say like I'm light. Oh, now I have two pair. I'm fucking betting this shit. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was tempted. I mean, my first, you know, you get your, you know, as soon as they, you flop top two and they check to you, your first instinct is, oh, yeah, I'm betting for sure. And that's what I thought, you know, but, of course, I took a second to think about it and came up with a better idea. Yeah. Anyway, or debatably so, anyway. And I, I think the thinking here should be, like, something along the lines of, I have a good hand, but, like, what can I accomplish with betting? Like, can I get equity to fold? Probably not, really. Like, yeah. not only can I not get equity to fold, but a lot of the hands that, like, I have decent equity against will go ahead and, you know, raise in a nice sort of balanced polarized way, which we can't necessarily do anything about. And, yeah, that combined with there are some hands that crush us, yeah. So. Uh, what do you think about my thoughts on, like, if the hand were a little bit different? Like, do you think you might bet 10-9 here, you know, assuming you had chosen a three bet it uh yeah i i don't know about 10 9 i think 10, there's a slight more case for 10 9 since it needs a little bit more protection but i think uh it's a or what about um sorry uh, queens or kings on that. yeah i was gonna say queens or kings those are a little bit more interesting i think uh particularly queens i could definitely see a case for checking back or betting with those hands yeah, I think there's more of a case for betting and then calling. Uh, I don't think it's a terrible spot to like check your whole range, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you don't think you'll have very much king queen. Because if you don't and to have, to be honest, I probably won't. Because I, I don't think I'd put king queen in my light three betting range in, in this exact scenario with an under the gun open. Um, yeah, like jack ten might be the top of my like suited connector or only like broadway type of hand that i'm three betting here other than ace king possibly ace queen suited i don't know but yeah i I think it's a it would be a better bet to bet queens or kings Mm -hmm. uh since i don't think there's a ton of hands in your opponent's ranges that beat there's some but not many that beat jack 10 uh or sorry that beat queens that don't beat jack 10 yeah, they're similar in terms of, you know, how they stack up in terms of absolute strength right now against the other players' ranges. And so, yeah, that's true. They have they have similar absolute strength, but queens have way more uh, much better blockers out, and ability to improve. To improve I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's an, a really important distinction. I guess you still might um, be in a similar spot where it's like, even though you have better equity against the overall range, like it's still kind of hard to get called by worse, and you can still get put into a shitty spot. Yeah, and it might be best just to check back, uh, especially since Queens has, I guess, less really bad turn cards. Uh, fewer, mm-hmm. you might say. But yeah, I would. I guess I would say like I don't think checking everything back here is a bad idea. I mean, I like to come up with small ranges for still betting even in spots where i know i should almost always be checking back i like to figure out some kind of value hands and some kind of bluffs to put in there but that's uh that's a totally different tangent 
kind of not worth yeah. going down right now. If it weren't the 100th episode, our fourth out of five yeah. strategy hints <laughs> of the day, I would say let's definitely get down that rabbit hole. <laughs> All right, let's, let's streamline it. Should I keep moving then? Yeah, let's move. All right, so keep, I keep him on moving. I checked back the flop, so we still have 320 in the pot. Um, so we got Jack of Hearts, Ten of Spades, Nine of Hearts, and the turn is the Six of Hearts. Um, Ooh. Yeah, not not my favorite card uh, that I was rooting for, but um, let's see. The first player checks, and now middle position bets about 225 into 320, um, and I believe that um, that leaves him with about 520 behind. Um, you want me to go ahead and give my thoughts here? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think this is already this is kind of a tough spot here. Yeah, I have top two and I'm under rep, but we, you know, flush just came in. We still have these all these other monsters on the flop. I was worried about. Um. So the case for folding, uh, stuff I just said. Uh, he. I think I probably have the worst hand here. Um, I don't think he's gonna start bluffing a lot or or value betting worse, except for maybe um, if he has 10-9 or a hand like that. Um, so I probably have the worst hand, and when I do have the worst hand, I only have four outs to improve. Not very good. Um, I'm not getting a great price. You know, he, uh, he bet over two-thirds the pot here. Um, we still have the tricky pro um, in first position that uh, could come in with a check raise if I decide to call. Um, and if I do call, I'll have to fold most rivers anyway if he bets again, I think. Um, so that's those are my reasons for folding. All right, now um, for calling, uh, first of all, I have position, obviously, which is huge. Um, that allows me to figure it out better on the river. Um, I do still have four outs to the effective nuts. Not a lot, but definitely um, notable. Um, my hand is under-repped. Uh, I'm near the top of my range here, um, which is always an important consideration um, deciding when to call, make the hero calls or not. Um, I'm still beating some of his value. Like I said, 10-9. Um he could bet, be betting like queens with the queen of hearts, or even. Yeah, I guess mm -hmm. he wouldn't. He wouldn't even necessarily have to have queen of hearts. Uh, even ace jack might find a bet here. Yeah. Um, and that this is. Um, remember, this is like a middle-aged uh, recreational type of player, so I don't expect him to necessarily. I'm not saying these are hands he should or should not be betting, but I. I definitely think he would bet those hands um, after the flop checks around. Um, and I, I think he doesn't really have a whole lot of bluffs. Possibly ace-king, ace-queen with the ace of hearts. Um, or if he's turning a pair into a bluff um, or sort of thinks he's good and wants to protect it, something like ace-ten or um, something like that. Uh, I don't think there are a lot of those, but... That's just sort of what the range I'm trying to give them here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Jason, go ahead. So i I think the big, I think there's two big factors here for me. Like the thing that is leaning me towards a call, and I would suggest calling here. 
And the thing that makes me think you should call here is that I think when you have the best hand, you will normally win if you call. I don't think it's super likely that this player will bet a worse hand twice, <coughs> whether he's bluffing or not. Like, okay, so the fact that he's, he's you can be confident he's usually going to give up on his bluffs is a huge factor towards... Uh, yeah, I think he'll give up with like a naked sort of ace of hearts type bluff. I also think if he's like stabbing with a hand like ace jack, queens, another jack 10, jack 9, like king jack, any of these hands, I think he's pretty likely to check the river. That's my hunch. Uh, I feel pretty good about it. The thing that makes me a little bit worried is that we have a what sounds like a pretty good thinking pro left to act who could definitely see us as being fairly capped at this point and not that we necessarily are i actually don't necessarily think we are but uh we don't want our opponent to think that we're capped here because uh we don't have that good of a hand so that's that's true. that's an issue but i think one I don't think we're capped. I think we could definitely have flushes here. Uh, and I think our if this opponent's very good, then I think that they should know that. Uh, and, and so I'm not super worried about him like turning sixes into a bluff. Like Yeah, I think we're we're probably also a little bit protected by the middle position player who's certainly uncapped, I would say. Um, so I wouldn't think that the the pro is going to get too crazy here um, with bluffs on a check raise. Yeah, I agree. I think the pro, my my guess is the pro is probably only going to be bluffing hands with the ace of hearts. Yeah. And, you and we know, wouldn't expect him to have many of those with the preflop action. No. Yep. He's probably not he's probably not going to play like uh I guess you know, I'm trying to think of any like offsuit ace hands he might play this way ace king possibly. Uh even that's Ace Queen seems kind of bad, but possible. Like, yeah, and that that would be a really strong bluffing hand here because he's open ended as well. Yeah, but, and so I mean, of... yeah, that's not a hand that I feel pretty like. That's not like such a bad hand to fold to, yeah, especially exactly. since like I think against that player when he raises, we're almost always facing a river shove, mm-hmm. uh, unless the board pairs, uh, and then I think maybe not. Anyway. Uh, so I think you should call. Okay. Have we uh, we haven't heard uh, Zach's thoughts yet, have we? I mean, you guys are both so exhaustive. I don't really know what I can <laughs> add. Uh, all, all I would say here is that you know when you're playing in you know deep pots with thinking players, it becomes a lot more difficult. And for me, I always notice you know when I'm playing live, just like how much more mental energy gets exerted by just having one decent pro at the table versus none, you know, was just having to really be just aware and, and think more about balance in spots where normally you don't have to as much. So I think this is kind of a perfect example of it. I, I think we, we just we can't fold this hand, but it's just not a slam dunk call because we have a good thinking player behind. And, you know, if I'm in the spot and I show up this way, I'm definitely going to be over bluffing in this spot, just like 100% based, based on what I've observed. You know, I'm not going to be going crazy if I respect your game, Brent, but I also know that, like, somewhat from an exploitative standpoint with the middle player in the pot, like, you're not capped here and that I think you definitely should have some nut flushes, but you certainly are much more weighted to not having, you know, flushes. And this player can represent 
you know, many combos of flushes here. So I think, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be check raising aggressively, even with hands that don't necessarily make the most sense as natural bluffs. But I think, you know, for you in this moment, uh, you still have to call and just, you know, hate life when the guy check raises. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about the, this consideration as well uh, in favor of calling? So if I do call and um, and the 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 pro that we're worried about folds, and let's say the river's a heart and villain checks, um, I have the option to turn my hand into a bluff as well. Um, but I don't know if that's necessarily something that should be done or not, but it's, it's one more thing to like consider, you know, this is why having position is so great. Um, you can turn these showdown value hands into bluffs if, if the, you know, the conditions seem right. So that's definitely something else I considered, um, not, not knowing how likely that is or how good of an idea it is, but it's one more option I have in this spot. So, um, Mm-hmm. I think all that, all, all that combined, I just, I did decide to call. But go ahead. Not to jump the shark, or ju- sorry. Uh, yeah, don't jump the shark. I man. will not jump don't the shark. Not to well, jump but- ahead, but I think, uh, I do think that would be a reasonable line, like turning your hand into a bluff on like an ace, king, or queen heart river. Okay. Because I think that improves a good amount of our opponent's hands to straights or better two pair. Uh but yeah, if it were a lower heart, then I wouldn't advocate turning this hand into a bluff. Okay, do you want me to move on? Yeah. Okay, so I did call, and uh, the third guy folded. So it's just me in the uh, middle position, recreational player here. We have 770 uh, in the pot here. Mm-hmm. And I, I will take the blame for jumping the shark here, because I, I brought it up on the last street, but... <laughs> The the river is a deuce of hearts, Uh, so we now have four hearts on the board, and um, my opponent checks. And so let me, I guess I'll tell you my thoughts here. Um, First of all, you know, this is always, it's always kind of weird to figure out where, where you should draw the line in terms of turning a showdown value hand into a bluff, Uh, you know, is, is your hand too strong anyway you beat enough of the guy's value there's no reason to do so but then sometimes they make themselves so capped like when he checks he basically never has the ace of hearts here um i still i think i can have the nuts a lot here based on uh like we were talking earlier i'm gonna be i'm gonna be checking back this flop a lot with my nut flush draws uh, because i wouldn't expect to get um, I, I only like to bet the nut flush draw when I think I have some kind of hold equity anyway, you know. Uh, and on this kind of flop, uh, I think it's a it's a good time to mix in a lot of checkbacks with the nut flush draw. And then if I did get there on the turn and I get bet into, I'm probably just calling when he's got this 500 behind, you know. Um, and if I did have uh, an ace-king with the ace of hearts or something like that, um, I would certainly call as well. Um I guess I would, I would, I would maybe sometimes uh, bluff raise that hand on the turn, but not super often, especially with the third player still to worry about. Um, anyway, so I, I do think I can credibly rep the nuts here. Um, 
and villain, I think, can very rarely have, almost never have the nuts, and will probably not have that many flushes either. Um, and anyway, um, let's see. So, I kind of thought, okay, I, I didn't mention this earlier because I didn't want it to taint the uh, the discussion, but before he checked, he gave me a, a, a tell that I've found really reliable. Um, he reached for his chips and, you know, counted out, like, some kind of bet and then checked, you know? And I found this to be some kind of a scare tactic to try to, like, make me check behind you know he wants to get to showdown um, yeah he's like faking he's like pump faking a bet um so i think if it in otherwise close spot i think this action kind of uh led me to believe that he was particularly like not wanting to face a jam here um yeah so so let's see if he does have a i mean if he does have a flop straight or a set of nines or something I think he's going to, you know, he might hero me occasionally, but I still think I'm probably going to get enough folds um, to make this a profitable, like, just-in-case bluff. Um, but I really don't know. This is, that's the way I was leaning in the moment and still now when thinking about it, but it's not, like, really clear to me. Yeah, I, that tell makes me like turning this hand into a bluff more. Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I think, like, that's not behavior I'd expect from, like, Ace-Jack. I don't think Ace-Jack feels very, like, entitled to this pot, such that, like, he wants to, like, psych you out of bluffing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think that this could be a lot of, like... My problem here is that I, I think that I, I do think this is, like, behavior I'd expect from, like, King-Queen with the King of Hearts. You know, like, I'm scared. I don't want to bet. I don't want to be bet into. Like, which is reasonable. Like most players, like when you do get bit into holding the king of hearts here, it's not a good thing. I mean, so you have a strictly a bluff catcher for sure. Yeah, and, I, and against most players, like bluff catchers don't pan out super well. Against you, like, or against like a very good player, I would be, you know, happier to just go ahead and call a bet with like the king of hearts. Realizing it was close to the top of my checking range, uh, and had it was a good blocker. Uh, anyway, the point is, I like the bluff. Uh, I, I'm guessing that you pulled the trigger, and I like it. I don't know if you can get this player to fold a flush, uh, but you might be able to, and I definitely think you can get him to fold a straight. And maybe I'm wrong, but I, I like it. I also think you're good here less than before he did that tell. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm not. Sorry, I'll let you talk, Zach. Go ahead. No, no, I I, I agree with Jack. I was I was also going to say, did 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 we talk about what sizing you're going to use on the bluff? Oh, I didn't did even I, I didn't even um didn't, mention that, but I was. I think you'd have to shove, I right? Gonna, I was going to jam if I did it. I mean, that's what I thought. I was just going to say, if if you're going to do it, you have to jam. I just wanted to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah, no, there's 770 in the pot. He has 520 left, so it's it's pretty like perfect sizing here. Um, in terms of you know, it's it's his whole stack, but with the math of how often it has to work, I think it's it's pretty favorable for me. So yes, I did. Yeah, I 
I'm not sure I consciously thought of what you're saying, Jack, about how, like, I, I, I did think that when he does the motion for chips and then check that tell, I did instantly think, okay, this guy wants me to check behind, you know? But I didn't necessarily think that also strengthens his range um, towards the hands that I'm going to lose to if I do check behind. Um, that's a pretty that's pretty important. I'm not sure I uh, consciously thought about that or if I just you know went for it anyway and was lucky about that aspect of it. Um, well, I said lucky because well. I guess I just gave it away right there. So yeah, I did jam and he folded. <laughs> so expert play. Nice. It worked out, but but I mean every this hand is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Every street like pre-flop, you should, you know, I I made a debatable three bet on the flop. I made a. You guys, it sounds like we all agree you should check, but it's definitely a hand that. It's an unintuitive, non-intuitive check. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then you know the turn. I have a kind of a not an easy call to make here and um and then the rivers you know do we turn this into a bluff or just check it back so there's a lot of uh you know you don't really have hands this often where like there's not one street that's kind of like an autopilot play to make so and that's that's the reason i selected this hand so i thought it was a pretty interesting spot yeah, it's super interesting play, yeah is, yeah well yeah, worthy of hands where it's it's just, you know, close on multiple streets and yeah. Yeah. Well worthy of the hundredth episode distinction. Uh, All right. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the hand. Hope your listeners got some value out of it. I'm sure they will. If they've listened this far, which I hope you do. Uh, if you're still with us, more to come. Uh, Brent. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to kind of note, like, you know, so we, we, we've come a long way, and you, you have been us, with us from the beginning, but you've also come a long way as well. When we first kind of started our relationship, you were just moving to, you know, the Maryland Live area, greater D.C. area, to play poker, and now you're just absolutely crushing it. <laughs> um, that's, <laughs> that's kind of you to say. Um, crushing <laughs> is a all a matter of perspective, I guess, but... Um... Yes, I am very happy with the way my life and my quote-unquote poker career um, are turning out so far up here. Uh, I feel like I've certainly made strides, great strides from the player I was when I first moved here um, to what I am now. Not trying to say I'm any kind of crusher, you know, those are your words, but... <laughs> but just I just know, I just know my guys. thought process and the, the types of things I used to not even consider in a hand um and i just feel like the way i'm thinking through things is to just become so much more clear over time um but i know i still have a long ways to go obviously and every time i leave a session i'm thinking about uh, the 400 dollars i left on the table and in this spot and this spot or whatever but um yeah man life's good um i'm glad to not have a real job so yeah I don't know. Is there any um, uh, specific? I was going to say, yeah, just kind of generally, you know, you, you went from, yeah, from aspiring poker pro to poker pro to, again, I'm going to use the word crusher to crusher. And just for all the people listening that I'm sure would, you know, on some level like to embark on that journey themselves, uh, 
what kind of advice do you have for someone who's like looking to make it as a live pro in 2017 if you'd recommend it and what have what are the things that have been maybe surprisingly easier or hard for you golly i mean it's such a loaded question so many things uh i mean <laughs> the big thing is just like don't be lazy you know um you know i just, I just see so many other people who like sort of call themselves pros who i like almost never see like in the poker room i'm like <laughs> i'm like how yeah. are these guys like actually making a living they clearly don't unless they're playing at the other casino or playing online or have some other kind of stuff going on that i don't know about i'm like it's impossible that this guy is actually like a professional poker player because he's i'm in there all the time so <laughs> so i know like who else is there a lot and if i hardly ever see someone i don't know i just think a lot of people kind of call themselves pros but then they just oh you know I've made my $2,000 last session, so I'll take the next few days off or whatever. And um, I just know how that kind of attitude ends up eventually because I've been there myself. Anyway, so just put in a ton of hours and, uh, you know, don't neglect your studying either. I'm still really bad about that. Um, I did some limited effective studying last year and this year, but even so, like my – studying to hours played ratio is incredibly out of whack um mm -hmm. but i would say okay i think i've told i've told you about this before but i'll just mention real quick so i think the smartest thing i've ever done as a poker player is create a system a bankroll management system for myself where um basically you know i have my poker bankroll in a totally separate account. And then I have my life role and my savings account and all in it, even a tax account, uh, where I filter money to taxes. Um, and then that's the money, the account I use to pay taxes at the end of the year. But anyhow, um, basically I just pay myself a certain rate per every hour played. So, um, now this does a lot of good for you. First of all, it, forces you to put in the hours because um, you can't just pay your bills based on your big winning session you had. Um, you have to play enough hours in order to generate the income. Uh, you know, so it, regardless of your results, you're sort of making the same amount of money, um, you know, every day or every week or whatever, if you're playing the same amount of hours. And that, that not only does it help with the discipline and putting in the hours, but it helps um, with the mental game of not getting too tilted or frustrated by the losses and or not, not getting too high on the wins. Because no matter how much you've won or lost, like I said, you're grinding out a steady profit. Um, so you basically you, you know, at the end of the week or whatever, you say, I played 40 hours. Let's say uh, hypothetically, you're paying yourself thirty dollars an hour right now, or whatever. So you just log into your bank account. Uh, Forty times thirty was that twelve hundred. You transfer, you know, from your poker bankroll to your life roll uh, that amount, and your bankroll, your poker bankroll will fluctuate wildly in the meantime. But as long as you're paying yourself less than your whatever your true hourly is, then you're you, although your poker bankroll is fluctuating wildly in the meantime, it still will gradually grow over time. Um, so that's another key is 
making sure you're not paying yourself too much if the goal in the meantime is to continue growing the role. Um, now, that's that has nothing to do with like the strategy of playing poker. That's a whole separate thing. But just in terms of discipline uh, and your own mental state uh, and the predictability of income, stuff like that, I just found that that, that just did me such a world of good. Uh, allows me to approach the game uh, relatively even-keeled and level-headed no matter what, uh, how I've been running or whatever. So that's a big thing. Yeah, that's great, man. I've, I've read your... Uh... You have a you have a funny title for it too. I forget what it's called. Poker I'll keep Const- it secret. Constitution. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. I, I read that. I, Just don't and, post and, it online for other people to read. But <laughs> I was gonna say, Brent, at some point, uh, maybe soon, or especially if you ever decide to transition out of poker, I think uh, you know, publishing that as just like a standalone little ebook or something, I think it'd be really helpful for people because I know for me, I never thought about bankroll that way. Uh, you know, until reading yours and think your system is just like by far the best of anything I've ever heard of for someone who's a full-time professional poker player. Well, thanks. And it might not work for everyone. It's kind of like a, I mean, it's kind of like a mental, it's like a gimmick to trick yourself into like (laughs) approaching the game a certain kind of way, but whatever works, you know, whatever you got to do to get yourself in that mindset. And this is what works for me. And I have a feeling it would work for a lot of other pros if they would, give it a shot um but even just based on the stuff i've said here anyone anyone listening could go create their own similar type of system you know they just got to figure out the numbers and exactly how they want to do it but um and other than that i don't know just just always take your time and consider your options don't ever be too quick to snap call or snap fold or whatever just you know sometimes you think oh man this opponent made a big bet here i guess i have to i'm either hero calling or folding but you know take a second to think about it maybe what if you like raise right here what if you turn this hand into a bluff can he call you what kind of hands does he have you know it's just like Maybe the non-standard plays, um, just take a second to think about them, you know. They might be terrible ideas, um, but I just see a lot of pl- people do kind of whatever the, you know, the autoplay is, and it, it doesn't appear to me that they really even consider anything else. Um, so I think just experimentation and and not being afraid to... Don't ever worry about... <laughs> Impressing your friends or looking like an idiot, you know if you make this bluff and get called, you're going to have to show it, and your buddy from across the table is going to furiously start texting you about what a terrible play that was. Like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, that's, I never uh, I never worry about what Zach's going to think on the podcast when I'm fucking up a hand. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have a long way to go myself, but I, I'm, I'm encouraged by the way the last couple of years have gone. So I'm hoping for more of the same. Another just hand success story. Not that we can claim your success at all, but we will anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't, you didn't cause me to crash and burn anyway. So, so yeah, if you listen to this podcast, you will probably not as a direct result, totally fuck up your poker career. <laughs> a ringing endorsement from Brent Jenkins. Yep. Brent, 
Thank you again so much for coming on. We're going to wrap up this marathon here with our final guest. Uh, our, I think, only other, or I guess maybe we have one or two other, but repeat guests, uh, John Metz. Uh, but Brent, thank you again. Yeah, thanks, guys. Excellent hand and easy. excellent advice. Congrats again on the 100 episodes. Thank you, man. Take it easy, too. Thanks. All right, see you. Peace. All right, we're here with our final guest of the day. Uh, also repeat guest, Just Hands Pro, John Metz. John, good morning. Good morning. Sounds, uh, it's a little weird hearing that at uh, 6.40 p.m., but uh, yes, I, I did uh, just get up. I had a lengthy session last night, and a uh, combination of adrenaline from uh, just doing and running very well and uh too much caffeine kept kept me up a little later than uh i had wanted so here i am how are you guys doing uh we're doing well man we're in the groove uh do you have like uh blackout shades because it, it, it can be tough to get to sleep uh you know after daybreak yeah there. i mean i mean when you've been up for i don't know i was up for i don't know how long exactly like uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not hard when you're when you're sleep deprived yeah yeah I'm, I'm i manage all right i guess all right well uh <clears throat> let's get into it uh yeah this uh this hand um it's uh it's just kind of fun it's just uh you know the the, the kind of hand you, you really uh you know you never see anything like this online it's, it's really just like a, a live poker thing and it's just I don't know. It's kind of interesting, I guess. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, just jump into the hand then. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, this hand took place in a 1-3 game. Uh, I was either UTG or UTG1 with Jack of Hearts, 10 of Hearts, and I opened a 12, um, which is, like, pretty standard. Or it's my standard sizing at a at a table where like people are relatively deep. If it's if it's a shower table, I'll you know size down a bit to like ten or something. But yeah, um, the button who is a he's a regular he's a younger regular. I haven't played with him a ton, but I kind of view him as like slightly on the gam gambly side, just because he's been talking a lot about blackjack. Um, although. His play seems to be, or at least from what I had seen, had been, like, mostly ABC, but, like, occasionally he seemed to kind of just get bored and just, like, you know, make, like, way too loose of a call preflop. Like, I've, I had seen him show down 5-3 suited uh, that he had, like, limped under the gun um, in whatever the first few, or the few hours we played together. So, definitely not afraid to get in there. Um, he calls on the button. <clears throat> um, the big blind who uh, is, was a businessman. I really didn't know much about him. I kind of just, you know, gave him, like, the general live uh, player read, like, probably too loose and passive. Um, he three bets to 30. And this was the first, his first three bet in probably four or five hours uh, I'd been at the table. Um, it folds back to me and... I think I have a pretty. We're like uh, I'm 300 effective with 300 effective with him, and probably like 450 effective with uh, the button. And I think every time I call here, the button is coming along as well. So I think I have a pretty straightforward 
call. Uh, yeah, thoughts on that? I think it's, you know. Yeah. Forward. What'd you have again? Jack Ten of Hearts. Cool. Yeah, um, not doing any anything but calling here. I think yeah, the two other options are are pretty big mistakes. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I call and the button calls. Uh, the flop comes king of clubs, nine of hearts, six of hearts. Uh, the big blind leads for 35. And I don't know. I think this is a pretty interesting spot. My de- I mean, my default here would be, you know, just to raise and kind of blast off on, you know, and basically, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, I have so much equity where like it's not a disaster for me to either get it on the flop or like raise flop get called and you know just be able to have a profitable jam on any turn whether i get there or not i think just you know with a gut shot and mm. straight flush draw you said or the flop was right. two seven nine king king nine, king nine six. Oh, okay i heard the i heard the two or the king is a two and so i was trying to figure out where you had your draw so, yeah, I heard two yeah, six yeah. nine. So, okay, so yeah, king so I have six fl- nine. King six nine. So I have a flush draw and a gut shot. Okay, yeah. Uh... I mean, it's just like one of my. I mean, it's it's a really, it's like one of my high, my highest equity uh, semi bluff in this spot. I think besides seven eight of hearts. But uh... so, so I think the the key here is like, is there anything better we can do than just like trying to get the money all in? You know. Yeah. And I, at the time, I thought uh, I had maybe no fold equity versus the, or I guess zero is is a bit extreme. But I thought I had very little fold equity versus the preflop three better, just because I viewed this three betting range is you know really really nutted, probably like ace king and uh, maybe jacks plus, more likely queens plus, but. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think he was getting out of line too much, and you know this board's pretty good for that range. <clears throat> yeah, and um, yeah, I just I I didn't mind. Uh, I mean, I I chose to call, which is definitely like pretty non non standard. Uh, but um, yeah, I just felt like I'd be able to you know maneuver better on the turn in the river, and also like. I mean, I don't think I necessarily need to use this hand as a buff just because it has so much uh, equity. Like, I don't think leveraging my fold equity is uh, super beneficial. Yeah, it's like this hand... Right now, this hand has plenty of equity just to call. Like, we don't need additional right. equity to call. Right. Or from, from folds. Like, uh... I, yeah, I like calling because I think... I do think this bet could easily be queens or jacks. But I think that would shut down on the turn. Yeah, and we'll have. I don't, I don't think. I'm... Yeah, there's no rush there. Right. Um. So, yeah, I would I would call and just evaluate on the turn. I also mm-hmm. think like the I think for me the biggest the biggest reason to raise is like if we can get a bad king from the other player to ever fold because I think like. Yeah. Uh, and I do think I do think he'd fold that. Um, yeah, so that that would be a, I mean a good reason too for sure. Hold on one second. I'll be right back. Um, 
Yes, yeah, so do you think you you do think he would sometimes fold like a king jack, king ten type hand, or even king uh, queen, or no? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like originally I thought so, but th- th- both these guys definitely uh, view me as pretty loose aggressive, which was something I had not mentioned. So, yeah, I mean, I think I have probably less fold equity than. Yeah. I, I don't know. Then I, I, yeah, I think it's definitely say. just call. I, I, yeah. Okay. Cool. Anything you want to add, Zach, or? No, I mean, yeah, if you're realist that you have very little fold equity, then we, we got a call here. Yeah, and that I think... That being said, just given how much equity you have, like, you don't need to have that much fold equity to lean this towards being a raise. Oh, but yeah, it's it's, really just, I think I think it will be yeah. a profitable raise, like, for sure. It's it just, just will like be more plus. profitable to call. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, it can't be not a profitable raise, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, I think the hands that we could get to hold up at some point, we can get to fold later. Uh, and the ones we can't get to fold will tell us on the turn, and then we can just evaluate. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay, so uh, look, I think like one eighty-five or one maybe one ninety in the pot. So the button called. Turn. Oh, button called. Sorry. Yeah, I okay. didn't mention that. Yes. Uh, and the turn is a the king hearts, <coughs> and that's so big, weird. Yeah, it's probably the most interesting card in the deck. Yeah. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, the big blind thinks for I don't know t- takes his time and checks, so maybe like six, seven or eight seconds. Um, and I mean, I think I think the big blind can definitely still have like Ace King here. Um, and I think the, uh, button has kings in his range that very likely won't fold. The button also has flushes, both flushes that are beating me and flushes that, um, I'm ahead of, uh, neither of which will be folding. So I think we've got a pretty clear value bet. So I make it 135. Uh, thoughts on that or yeah. mm-hmm. if I thought that like uh, we could glean valuable information in terms of like fr- from letting the button potentially bet then I would say there's more of a case for checking but I think that player is pretty likely to bet either a king or a better flush or a worse flush and so we're not going to get that much information I think we should just go ahead and bet since we're not folding this hand and um, we might miss value if we check. So, uh, and we definitely, I think, could miss value from the first player to act with his kings. Right. Yeah. So I like betting. Okay. Cool. Yeah, uh, I definitely think we should be betting. Uh, and yeah. then just a question about sizing. Um, I think I would probably size a little bit lower. Um, yeah, I, ex- I think so too. Just because I'm, regardless, like, going to be able to shove. Like have exactly yeah. yeah yeah so and especially in live poker it's like w- w- once someone calls the turn you know it's really easy to talk yourself into a call on the river especially if you're like down that night and you know just want to win so yeah. I think these are definitely spots to exploit or even just make it like 90 and then you know get them to face a river with kind of like their entire continuing range for sure what's uh 
how much is in the pot right now, and how much do you have behind? Uh, one ninety was in the pot. Uh, before any betting was done on the turn. Um, how much do I have behind? I have like uh about four hundred before I bet one thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Is this, I... this is effective with the big blind? Effective with the button. The you big know... blind has like a hundred dollars less. So okay. Then yeah, maybe maybe betting like a hundred, a hundred ten, but yeah, yep. No, I, I I like that for sure. I would consider shoving. I think it's going to be against you, and for a lot of players with these stakes, it's going to be difficult to fold a hand like Ace King. Um, and we're giving, you know, Ace King like a pretty. Maybe not exactly the right price, but like a pretty good price if we bet like, you know, half pot here. Mm. Uh, and maybe keeping both players in most of the time is best. And, you know, we'll play the river well. Like if it, if the board pairs and we're led into, or an ace comes and we're led into, we'll just fold correctly. Mm. Uh, but I do think there's a case we're just like trying to put the money in right now. And I think like there's a pretty good chance you'll get called. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I uh, I hadn't even considered it at the time, um, but yeah, I mean, I think on this like exact board, I mean, just yeah, I, I think people, I, I I think you're right uh, in saying that the big blind or the button are going to be able to get away from any king x. Uh, but it would be like I don't know. It'd be a pretty. What would it be like? One point five x over bet. I don't know. It'd be all. It would be like, yeah, between one and a half and two x. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's just a question of like whether or not uh, people will call. Uh, you know. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my my brain. I'm. Just, just waking up so my brain, you know, is not uh, yeah. 100% running yet. But, so, uh, you know yeah, what I'm saying. basically, like, if they don't, if they won't call, it's probably not the right thing to do. But it's, there's not a huge amount of value to betting, like, a quarter pot because, like, if we think that they're always going to call with a hand like Ace-King since they have, they're getting a reasonable amount of that bet back. The other thing I like about betting, like, 100 or 130 is that we might be able to fold if we see a raise. Uh, yeah, if you that, don't, that, that was my. Uh, that was definitely something I was considering at the time. Yeah, if you don't, if you're not going to fold to a raise, then I don't think. Then I would prefer, I think, shoving. And if you're going to fold to a raise, then I think it's pretty close, and I think 130 is totally fine. Mm. Cool. Okay, um, so. Moving on then, or I'm done to move on. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So the button moves all in for about 360, uh, and the big blind folds. Uh, so it's 220 or 225 for us to win about 675. So you know we're getting three to one. Um. And obviously, yeah. 
don't have to win here super often to, to make this um, a call. But uh, I don't know. At the time, like at the time, I thought it was a, real, a kind of a tough spot. Um, I just because I think Villain would play like lots of um, flushes that beat me in this way, just like wanting to, you know, not just out of fear that like the board pairs on the river or an ace comes yeah. on the river and like he has to, um, you know, worry about losing to a full house or you know something like that yeah i definitely um, don't i definitely don't think this is like i so don't think this is only like full houses are better or like you know an unpaired hand like uh i wouldn't be surprised to see hands like ace king king queen with a heart yeah no me, me too uh, yeah worse worse flushes would not shock me mm-hmm. and so for those two reasons i, I mean between those like and just the incredible pot odds we're getting. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's, you it's probably a, have to call. It's a call. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I, I mean, it, well, it's really tough. There, there, there is, oh, there is another piece of information that, like, I should probably mention maybe before. I, Zach, I don't know if you want to say what you say now, but uh, we get some more information as, as I'm tanking. Okay. Let's, let's, let's hear the information before I, uh-huh. I say anything. So, uh... I ask the guy if he has a flush. He kind of shrugs his shoulders. I tell him I do. And he, like, gives off this genuine, or at least it, I thought it was genuine, uh, kind of nervous tell where, like, he's, like, he, like, rubs the back of his neck and just, like, you know, I thought genuinely uh, looked concerned. Uh, I continue to tank, and then he shows the two of hearts. Oh, oh. Okay, so let's. I mean, I think I'm I mean, very yeah. inclined to to call. Of course, know, yeah, makes like makes definitely more. after the first piece of information, and second piece of information could kind of go either either way. But yeah, you know, we you you have to call after seeing the the first thing. You know, of course, yeah, yeah. So yeah. all I was gonna say before is that I think this is a call, but maybe not as easy as a call as you guys think it is. Yeah, I mean, I. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I mean, I, I I think I will lose this, or like will run into um, a higher flush, you know, like a decent percentage of the time, uh, for sure. But like, mm-hmm. you know, I I also do think like the the types of hands that I think big blind is most likely to have work in our favor. Uh, like what's most likely. I guess queens and jacks are possible, but I think a lot of times it's aces or even ace-king. Yeah, I agree. And both those hands contain, like, pretty good blockers for us. Like, aces will... Like, obviously, once he folds, like, he probably didn't have the ace of hearts. Well, so I guess never mind. He probably wouldn't fold the ace of hearts, but would he? Maybe? I don't know. The the, the big blind? Yeah, if he had aces with with ace of hearts. I I think so. Yeah. I think he would. You think he would fold? I think he would fold. Yeah. Well then. To a raise and an all, yeah. I mean. So I then don't know. I would. Fold. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Then I think that like, that that makes it more of a call. Uh, the fact that the range that he folded is likely to contain a decent amount of like kings and ace of heart hands. Uh, yeah. 
But then there, are, I mean, that kind of goes both ways because then he's like, you know, blocking villain from having like king queen or even ace king or which are hands we'd like him to show up with here. But I see what you're saying. Like it's yeah. Yeah. Well, most of the I guess my main thing is like most of the flushes the beat you have the ace of hearts. Uh, yeah. And it, it already feels a little unlikely that the guy has like a set of nines or sixes to me for sure yeah I, I, I would think those would be raised on the flop like the vast majority of the time mm-hmm. so yeah and I think like ace king would bet the turn a decent amount so like if we like mm-hmm. if we said like the most likely hand is aces and that he would fold the ace of hearts that helps that's my I guess my, my main point but it's minor yeah uh, no yeah I, I'm okay so I agree so you call and he had a king that wasn't he had a king do this offset no tell me that's what happened okay no 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 I called and he had uh, deuce five suited okay nice oh no oh I really like I really like the craft though in terms of oh uh, dude I I I had so much yeah it was so awesome like I think I I gave I think yeah yeah it was just like such a fun level yeah or like attempted a level yeah yeah, no, I think that that could totally work against some people, you know. For sure. Not obviously John Metz, you know, crusher. People you yeah. run for the hills when they see you at the table, but I don't know about that. But uh, yeah, and not as interesting as a, of a hand is like I I thought after talking it through with you guys, but still just something still kind interesting. Of fun. Yeah, yeah. If he had Ace King with like the Ace of Hearts, and they showed you the Ace of Hearts. That would just that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be really good. Yeah. Also, such a weird shove, but never mind. Yeah, we don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. Unless he thinks he can get you to fold exactly that, you know. I don't think it was a it was a bluff. It was just kind of like <laughs> I, mean, I have a flush. Yeah. 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 You know, no, I think I think the deuce five of hearts is not a hand I would shove, but is a more reasonable shove. Than Ace King with the Ace of Hearts. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All um, right. Well, with that, we have uh the end of the the hundredth episode. Well over a hundred minutes of content. Uh, under two hundred oh, yeah. minutes, but you know, uh. Thank you, John. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Brent. Uh, thank you, Zach. Thank you to all of you who made it this far. If you did, uh, shoot us an email. Uh, Jack at Just Hands Poker. Just to, you know, let us know if you listened to this whole thing. That'd be awesome. And if not, uh, no worries. You're not even hearing this, so I'm not really talking to you anyway. 